Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Next Lander podcast. I'm Vinny Caravella, joined by Alex Navarro. I'm always here. Always Can't get rid of me. No, you're here. You're you're you in the wall. me out of this chair if you wanted to. You're in the walls like mold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just- I'm the black mold of this podcast. <laughs> A little heat, a little food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's an Alex. Growing. Yeah, just blow a hair dryer at me. I'll eventually go away. <laughs> Brad Shoemaker, how are you? Oh, hello, hi. I'm a 2,000 year old life form encased in stone. Oh, okay, and encased in stone. And okay, held held in some kind of stasis atop Shinra Tower. No oh boy, oh boy, folks. We're gonna Shinra get Shinra Tower in. has black mold problem also. Oh so. my gosh, the worst. The Among worst. other things. I mean, those if, Mako reactors and yes. nothing but mold generators. If you told me Genova was just some form of black mold infestation, I would believe you. Black I mean, mold who, from black mold from space. Who knows with the way these games are going? That's right, folks. We're gonna be talking about Final Fantasy VII. Period. Final Fantasy VII remake. And Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, probably with some Crisis Core peppered in there. Mm-hmm. So um, here's your early spoiler warning. We're probably going to talk uh, in detail about some of the stuff from Final Fantasy VII Original, some of the mm-hmm. stuff from Remake. Brad, you finished up Remake, so I'm very curious to talk to you about the differences and how you thought that story wrapped up. So we'll probably have spoilers in there in terms of what happens with that story. Not so much on the rebirth side, because uh, I think we're not far enough to really spoil anything. I don't think it's very necessary. And then maybe we'll talk some crisis core. So maybe some spoilers in there, but we're not going to talk about like Angeal or Genesis or whatever the hell else. I'll talk about Genesis invisible touch. Great fucking album. (laughs) Let's do it. I'll give you a nice long wind up before the we get into the nitty gritty of the spoilers here. You have plenty of time to turn off your thing because I do have one thing I want to say up here at the top. Yeah, hit me. Uh, so we had mentioned on the uh, the the ramble cast, Zeke had a flea problem. Our uh-huh. new cat that seems to have mostly been dealt with. Yeah, knock on and wood. Knock on wood. He's he's been fine. Uh, you know that moment when you get a new pet and there's that time where basically is the first time that it kind of curl, curls up in your arms or on your lap or something oh that first time like, it feels comfortable with you that moment where it is like the trust has been earned and it finally just uh-huh. is just like okay you've won uh-huh i had that moment oh uh, zeke has officially jo- is no longer a visitor has joined the family yeah, I I went upstairs uh, intending to go hang out with him, play with him for like 15 or 20 minutes and sat up there for like an hour and a half because he just curled up in my lap and just like laid there for like 45 minutes. Just oh, man. Totally zonked, totally comfortable. And it's just that heart melting moment. Of, yes. Yes, this was all worth it. That moment where it's like, hey, look. I'm going to be relying on you, man. Don't let me, don't. And first mm-hmm. of all, don't move for the next hour because yeah, you're I my bed now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Uh, ah, that's great. And I mean, he's a big mush is the thing. Yeah. Like he's a big love bug anyway, but like, I knew it wasn't going to be hard getting him to trust me, but like it just happened. It's like, okay, we, we won. We did this. That's a love. That's lovely to hear. And yeah. also it's, I'm glad to hear that it's seeming like the fleas were eradicated. We're still going to keep him in quarantine yeah. for, you know, a handful more days just to make sure no more eggs or anything hatch or anything Blech. like that. Blech. But uh, as far as we can tell, he's not even really scratching much anymore. Uh, I have not had any uh, hand irritation. Okay. Uh, and I think we're probably about a week away from him being able to just sort of go out in the house. Hooray. I, um, all things need balance. I'm in the opposite boat now, Alex. Kirby will not let me sleep. The, the oh. Do- 
The dog has taken to wanting to go under the covers in the bed while we're uh, sleeping. Okay. What the so hell, he's, man? I He's the third parent now. <laughs> what? You, you can't do that. I, 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 apparently he can. He's not a small dog. Uh, Doesn't matter. He wants to go under the... And, like, Sounds like it's time to invest in a California king, baby. <laughs> well, there's two... One, one first problem is if he doesn't go under the covers, he like plops in, tries to squish between me and my wife, which makes mm-hmm. all the covers pull off of me. And then it, mm-hmm. it, it's cold at night, and then I'm, I'm cold. Second thing is, if he goes under the covers, you can't stay under there because it gets too hot. And then like an hour later, he's like, damn, it's too hot under here. I better come back out and thrash my way out because I'm a dog. Uh, so I'm going to just thrash through the covers. I don't know, man. It's, my wife was like, what do you want to do? I was like, I don't know. I don't know. Buy another bed. We're just going to Dick Van Dyke this shit. I was going to say, just, maybe, you know, maybe it's time to build a guest room just for just for <laughs> Kirby. Or no, it's going to be for me. He needs to be around people. Like That is his thing. Mm-hmm. He needs to be touching somebody. I I don't know. I don't. My wife is like, do you want to just maybe get like a doggy gate or something? Put it on the door when we're sleeping. It's just going like, to whine if you do that. It's going to whine. What I've been doing for the last couple of nights is like, I just go to the, ca- I get up and I go, go to the couch. And what I've been doing is just popping on some Final Fantasy Rebirth and falling asleep playing that, which is what I did last night, which is a good segue to transfer into spoiler warnings. We're going to talk about Final Fantasy seven, Final Fantasy seven remake. First here again. That was your wind up. That's all the time you're getting. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I'm gonna slowly go talk yeah. here for 15 seconds for when you push that button when I was talking about my dog and you jumped right back into this point to say, "Here's again your spoiler warning." Yeah, to to to, to triple triple reiterate. Only spoilers for original seven and remake, not for yeah. rebirth. No, no, we, we won't. We won't. We won't say anything substantial about rebirth that isn't that isn't already out in the demo that everybody's played. And and if we, you know, again, because you finished remake, I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on it and compare. It. And again, maybe there's some crisis core nonsense um, in terms of where that story goes. So, with that being said, Brad Shoemaker, you wrapped up seven. Fuck, I was very man. curious. You did it? To, Fuck to see I, if you were gonna make it because I I knew and I feel like the rest of humanity knew those last chapters are long. That game is so fucking long, man. I'm, I'm just gonna I'm gonna preface this entire podcast right now by saying I have done almost nothing but play Final Fantasy games since last week's podcast. <laughs> like my brain is mush. Uh-huh. If my thoughts are somewhat incoherent or not incredibly well formed, I apologize. I'm not super up on current events either. I've played so much of that shit. Well, you're up on uh, you're up on the Final Fantasy verse. That's, yeah, that's, that is for sure. I put about another thirty hours into remake since last week. And then about 10 minutes after I finished that, I fired up intermission and played some of that. Yeah. And then I turned that. Yes. I was kind of curious to see what the tone of that was like. And then I turned that off and immediately started rebirth, which I'm now about six so hours. You didn't play through all of crisis core as well. Between? Nope. Nope. I'm, I watched, I watched the flashback from seven that covers the relevant part of crisis core from, from original seven. On, yes. From original seven on YouTube, which was about three minutes long. Okay. Uh, so, which, which, Incidentally, finished remake, and part of me absolutely thought to myself, "Could you have just watched the relevant cutscenes on YouTube of this?" Absolutely, 
It's not the same. Absolutely, you could have. It's not mm. the same. Um, I'm also, hearing absolutely you could have. The, the thing the thing I was going to say about Rebirth, I'm like, I, I'm about six hours into Rebirth, which is just about the point that you get a good sense of what the next hundred hours of that game are going to be like. For damn sure, yes. Uh, I remember said these were supposed to be shorter experiences. Mm, from all, from what I can tell, both from what I'm playing and what I looked up today, Rebirth may be massive. It's, um, yeah dude it's a map game it's a map game it's, um, it's a map game with towers well let's talk about rebirth uh, so we can yeah, get past the spoiler stuff here so yeah. i'm i'm very curious um so you beat seven yeah should we, yeah should we go in chronological order and we talk about remake first let's that talk about sense. remake yeah yeah let's talk about remake and then we can i can take the spoiler warning off for for rebirth here on the notes and then uh um what do you think between remake the big question remake and your memories of seven uh, I mean, I know I've said this recently. I have not played seven for 27 years. Yeah. So my memory is super spotty, and I just remember like the most broad possible strokes about it. Like I said, spoilers for the 27 year old game. Like, like I remember the cloud, like false identity, mysterious, mm-hmm. uh, imagined past stuff. I could barely remember how that related to Zach. I mean, I, I remembered that I remembered that cloud thought he was Zach, and or you know, remembered himself in the role of somebody who was not him. I thought mm-hmm. maybe about can, what I, that's about what I remembered there. Maybe you can correct me. Uh, did, what, the impression I always got was that he's like stole his identity. Not, not, it wasn't an accident. He like wanted to take up the mantle of Zach. So those are those. That's, that's where my memory gets spotty. Those are the types of like finer details that I don't quite okay. remember because he like, he was not a soldier like he says he was, but he was experimented on. Right. Um, and so how that messed with his memory and like made him do things is open to debate versus what he wanted. There might've been some, this is some wish, crisis core stuff here. Some, some mm. wish fulfillments. Is he in that game? Oh my gosh. Cloud. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I didn't realize that. I mean, yeah, I, I yeah. that was, Zach rescues him from the, oh, uh, so, so they do show that whole thing in crisis core. So I watched a crisis core, uh, yo, what's up with crisis core? Um, for the remake that came out. And so I don't know if anything has changed substantially in the narrative from the, it's not really even a remake. It's more like a remaster, right? Of the, of the one that came out. It's it's like a remaster of the PSP game. Yeah. So I watched that. And from what I could tell between all the (laughs) Angeal and Genesis, whatever stuff, um, that Zach does rescue after Zach gets taken rescues cloud and, they he tries to bring him to Midgar, and that's when Zach has meets his fate. Yes, like Zach is killed. Uh, Cloud takes up his Buster Sword. Yes, and kind of takes on his persona. Yes, and so is that that's the actual big spoiler in Seven. <laughs> no. Yes. In contrast to the spoiler everybody talks about. Uh, no, I feel like okay. There's another spoiler for Seven that is sephiroth and his relationship with genova or genova yeah, kind of yeah sure or what genova is now i didn't remember any of this going into uh, uh rebirth so what what is brad i know i'm leaning on you here maybe more heavily than you'd appreciate but what is the relationships as you far as you can tell from outside of rebirth between the ancients genova and current Shinra uh, machinations. What is Lay this? Prom- what is the promised land? Who are the ancients? 
And is Genova some third alien, third party alien that is just disrupting yes. everything? Yes, okay. I, had, I had forgotten. I think so, at least. I had forgotten a lot of this, too, until I went back and read about it. Uh, the Ancients were the Cetra, as they call themselves. Like, Aerith is basically, uh, like, the last one. I don't know if in 7 she was, like, literally the last one or just one of the last, but whatever. Like, you know, they, they were, like, a kind of kind of a progenitor race, but not really. More, more of just, like, an ancient people okay. who, who communed with the planet and, like, understood how to like use the life stream responsibly to enhance their civilization without actually uh-huh. sucking the planet dry. Kind of like, like a little like, like Tolkien, the, like elves, like the kinda, uh, maybe, before the age of man kind maybe, of, maybe, maybe something like that. And I mean, this is like, you know, Wikipedia level stuff that I'm spouting here. Cause that's where I went and refreshed my memory from, but uh, like Genova basically just like landed on the planets, maybe as part of meteor, like meteor is the thing that like came and kind of tore a big right. hole in the planets. And I think maybe maybe Genova hitched a ride on Meteor, or maybe she arrived separately, I forget, but the Cetra found a way to kind of, like, imprison her safely. Okay. But then they all died out anyway, pretty much, if I'm getting this right. And the Promised Land is basically a land where it's, the Mako runs free. Yes, and- yes. It's like an, it's like a, a either mythical, figurative, or literal place where there's, like, a limitless life stream energy that's the evil capitalist vampires at the top uh-huh. of the awful industrial tower in the middle of the mega city want to go and exploit until and, it pretty much ends all life on the planet. And so the Mako is used basically for everything, right? The power industrialized, the industrialized world, but really the, is the main villain here, at least in seven and seven re or in, I should just say remake because seven is all of seven. Hojo. For for no. kind of getting out there and making Howard all Johnson and <laughs> making all the bad stuff. I again memory very spotty, but I, I feel like they 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 played up the involvement of Shinra and Hojo and all those people in that faction a lot more in remake because they had okay. to because you need you a know? you need a big villain for the whole game. Yeah, yeah, like you know they 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 had a difficult. I mean, I'm I'm a little mixed on how they decided to fill that game out, but they had a difficult task of taking like what maybe five hours tops of the original game and turning it into like 40 is it really just five hours it's, it's not that much okay it's, it it a it's not that much and b again from what i remember some of the stuff that they really embellish and overemphasize in remake is like barely there in the mm. original like you don't even see sephiroth at all until way way after you leave midgar in the original Actually, i don't remember that from what all. i from what okay. i remember like you kind of know you're chasing him yeah but in particular, like the scene in the president's office at the end of remake where all the shit kind of comes to a head with like predestination and people getting stabbed by Sephiroth who appears out of nowhere left and right and stuff like you just come upon the aftermath of that stuff in the original. Oh, game. okay. Like you follow a trail of blood up to the top of the tower and the president is already dead and Sephiroth has come and gone. And like, I think at that point, nobody even knows he's still alive. Cause you, you like, don't fight the sun, right? In the original one. Or do you? Oh, I I don't believe so. Don't, the heir to the Shinra throne, yeah, Rufus. He is. <laughs> Rufus. I don't, I don't know if I don't know if you ever fight Rufus in that game. Okay. Again, I've I've forgotten a bajillion details, but uh, and is there a man on the inside in the original seven? Do you remember? No, that- like the mayor stuff. No, <laughs> yeah. that's all new. All right. Uh, I actually had to go back and like I thought I was forgetting a bunch of stuff that it turns out they actually changed in remake. Mm. Like, like for example, all the references to like avalanche HQ, you know, it's like, Oh, HQ sent a helicopter. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, there's other factions of avalanche out there. That is all apparently totally new. Cause in my memory, in my memory, the entirety of avalanche was like five people in the original game. Is that how it is? 
No, no. In this, they have now made it like some much bigger organization. But in seven, or in is, seven is it yes. just is it yes. Barrett's avalanche basically? Yes. Unless the IGN explainer of here's what they changed in remake is wrong, that that confirmed my memory that avalanche is avalanche is like Barrett and those three people he's with. Yeah, and then and then Antifa and Cloud basically. Like, so in it. intermission, they kind of go more into that where you're actually talking to other people from Avalanche and they talk about the Barrett faction that they're a splinter group and they're oh man they're. They're off doing some real, like, some real gnarly. We don't go in for that stuff, but, like, they're out there just blowing reactors up, and they're they're wild, man. Uh, we're more just kind of behind the scenes. Um, so that's, I mean, I, I guess that's probably the main thing, right? They stretch out this, this Midgar stuff into this very large drama that they flesh out with all these characters, which I think actually, for the most part, works, um, you know, Gameplay wise, it definitely feels like they stretch out bits beyond the over saying it's welcome. The parts where you're running around inside Shinra Tower, which I yeah, know man. I talked to you about, like, feels I, like it goes on forever. I, I'm not sure I've ever been so hot and cold on a game where I'm like, man, this is awesome. Yes, more of this. And then, yeah. like, I do immediately, like, over and over hit like two or three hours of tedium. Yeah. You know, like all the Walmart stuff that I talked about last week, um, all the Shinra Tower when you first get up in there, like the museum, the. Yeah. Um, like the big, the big virtual theater history of the planet, cutscene CG stuff, like all that stuff was amazing. And then you immediately spend like two hours just in the opening most bland doors. industrial environments, like switching parties back and forth, opening doors and fucking spending forever in your menus. Yeah. Because you're like suddenly playing characters again that you haven't had access to for like 15 hours. And it's like, oh my God, I've got to level up all of Aerith's weapons and I've got to swap materia around every single time I swap parties. Like this is a nightmare. Yeah. 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 So I remember that stuff feeling like it went on forever. And I was so, every time I thought I was at the last door and then they're mm. like, Oh my gosh, it's another door. Yep. Um, and you get Sephiroth stealing Genova's head, right? Yeah. Like that stuff's fine. I didn't mind him showing up and taking her. I, th- I don't, I don't remember if that's exactly how that happens. I didn't even mind the stuff in the president's office. I thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, it's really stuff on the highway and, and the end of chapter 18. The end of the game, basically. At a certain point, yeah, the last like hour of the game. Like I, At a certain point, I really just felt like I was playing Advent Children, which on the one hand, I'm the, not the slightest bit surprised that's how that game ends. But on do the you, other hand, do you mean that because of the lengthy cutscenes, or do you mean that because of the, what's happening in them? More this like kind of like high flying action of like Cloud and Sephiroth flying through the air and okay. like jumping, leaping off of chunks of asphalt that are flying through the air because the sure. city has been all destroyed. You know that kind of stuff. Just these like super protracted clashes of fate going uh-huh. on. Um, I know they. I, I again, I know they. They had a big task and they had to find some big finale for this. You know, some big huge finish. Well, what'd you think of the big finish? Eh, it was all right. Okay, let me ask like you this. It was this. that big then. Because it was very is- big. It's just not necessarily. It's like, because, you know, again, I like you're going to have to do all this stuff again later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like this villain, this situation is going to keep coming up maybe. in each of these games. Maybe. Or, or maybe not. Like, yeah, actually, maybe they totally go crazy left when they were normally on right on this so, stuff. Which maybe talk- we'll, we'll get to. Because actually, yeah, like the, the it's the multiple timeline stuff they're doing that is actually the really weird thing. Yeah, tell me what you thought here. about that. Um, I had to go back and look up what was up with Zach there. I didn't, I didn't realize that scene they were depicting at the end of the remake is quite literally the scene where he's supposed to die. Cause if you don't remember what that flashback is like, but basically what do they you know, show at the end of remake, cause I, I might be confusing. I don't want to talk about what's in the beginning of rebirth. Uh, towards, I, th- I think and there's I mean, also it, stuff in intermission with, yeah. with Zach. 
Yeah, so I did, oh really? Okay, so I only played like half an hour of intermission just to get a feel for it. Um, I think it's around the time they're all talking about defying fate and and destiny and everything on the highway uh-huh. that they just cut out of nowhere to a CG movie of Zack out in the desert fighting a bunch of Shenro troops. Yeah. Okay. And, and that was the thing I didn't realize until I had to go look the flashback up later from the original game. I guess that's the scene where he was he supposed to have down. died. Yeah. But instead he kills all of them instead. And that's the big momentous like change in fate and timeline that happens there. So do you um, get stuff with how much stuff is there with Aerith and Zach in, in the uh, original game? I don't know. In the original I th- one. Okay. I think, I think it's established that they used to date. Okay. But I don't know much beyond that. How much they talk about it? Okay, because they do in seven, and I think it's a lot in remake. I'm trying to not confuse the three games now too much. They're like, oh, there was this soldier who I knew, and like he was, you know, I could tell. I I could tell they were going to build up something weird with with Zach and and the character's history. Because like halfway through remake, there's a point where cloud asks Aerith or, or Aerith says something like oh you're kind of kind of like the first guy I loved yeah. or something and he's like oh what was his name and it does the staticky glitch out as she says the name you see your lips move and you can't hear the name I was like all right something <laughs> something weird is going on with Zach and, and something is amiss and the history of all this stuff here resacted uh, uh, yes. so all right so you, you got your big fight with uh I feel like this is where I got really frustrated you got your big fight with the big beast the big the big final fantasy monster which winds up the the big fight uh, before sephiroth you mean just for people who have finished it and know yeah the, the one yeah. that the pre-sephiroth fight which i feel like the cutscenes are super long and you have to watch them all They're if unskippable you fail that it's like yeah. the one part in the game where you're technically still in combat for all of the interstitial cutscenes between yes. fights and so because you're in combat you can't skip any of those and god <laughs> help you sucks. if you die two-thirds of the way through that fight Yes. And have to watch all that shit again. I hated that so much. And it's a very long fight and like a battle of attrition in some parts. Yeah. Um, and I, like I was getting extra fucking angry about it because I was under time crunch because I wanted to play as much Rebirth as I could before this. I got up Sunday morning thinking today's the day. Uh-huh. Like I played like all day Saturday. I got up Sunday. I was like, I'm like on, I've, what was I? Chapter 15 or I, I got up. I was past chapter 14 with all the side stuff. I'd done all of that. I was like barreling toward the linear, let's just go finish this game part. And I was like, all right, today's the day. I'm going to play this all day. I'm going to finish it. Got up again on Monday going, okay, surely today is the day. Uh-huh. And, you know, I mean, we have podcasts to record Monday and Tuesday and production work and stuff. I mean, I couldn't play it all day Monday. Still didn't even get there on Monday. <laughs> was like into chapter 17 on Monday. Got up again yesterday after we did the watch cast. I was like, I'm not going to do anything but get up until I finish <laughs> mm-hmm. this game. This was about 1230 or one in the afternoon. It was still almost seven o'clock when I finished that game. It just goes and goes. So I'm pretty sure they don't checkpoint you in that big fight. Do they, I think they do checkpoint you in the Sephiroth fight or do they not? I can't remember. Um, in the phases. Cause I feel like he jumps up to a different platform and you do, you have like another phase of that fight. I got like five minutes into the Sephiroth fight and then realized I wanted different material and stuff. So I, (laughs) I think I, is that what I did? I think that one gives you a chance to go in the menu, I think, before you fight there. I think okay. I started it over, if I remember, and then I beat it that you time. You beat it. Okay. Um, it was the fight before that that I got mega flared by Bahamut. 
and got into that fucking god awful loop in that game you can get into where you don't have enough ATB to heal anybody, but you can't uh-huh. afford to go in and try to earn ATB to get heals. Uh huh. And you get interrupted out of your heals when you do get them, and then everybody that dies. part's so uh-huh. oh, so awful, dude. I fucking hate the interrupt system in that game this so much. Basically, you get staggered into a yeah. Like, like you can you have to you have to earn action points to use things like heals, but you can get knocked out of the ability mid cast and lose what you spent to cast it, but not get yeah. the heal. And then you're fucked. Or the <laughs> so res. Yeah. Yes. Um, yep. And, and like, I'm, I'm sure everybody, I'm sure a million people are just like, well, skill issue. Like you should have built more for, should have kept your HP topped off more. You should have built, built more for survival, whatever. But uh-huh. like the game, I didn't, just didn't think the game was that hard. Like I didn't die that much up to that fight. I found that game to be uneven. Like you, you, Especially in Shinra Tower, I feel like I was coasting for a while, and then I remember hitting like certain bosses, and I'd be like, "Well, this got really hard all of a sudden." Yeah. And I was just, I was just kind of like, I think it's L one is the short, like L one and square mashing my way mm-hmm. through uh, whatever thing I had yeah, mapped to it. You're not wrong. Like that Arsenal robot took forever. That felt like a twenty minute fight. Like there's <laughs> definitely some tough boss fights in there, but I didn't feel like I don't think I died on any of them until that mm. last one. Uh, God, I was and- dude. I was fit to be tied when I got like twenty <laughs> minutes into that big fight and then had to do the whole thing over and then there's the ghosts the spirit the spirits the, the whispers within. the whispers the spirits it's the without the, the kingdom hearts shit mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't play kingdom hearts but like a reading discussion about that game like pretty universally that stuff seemed to be hailed as this is the kingdom hearts shit oh yeah okay yeah. so are so their fate is that what we're led yeah, to believe? Like, i guess the explanation is like they show up whenever somebody tries to divert the timeline or defy destiny. Uh-huh. Like anytime, any major event that needs to happen for fate to be fulfilled is about to happen. They show up and stop it from happening. Stop so like, it from happening. So you can go back and look at a bunch of situations in that game where they show up and stop things from happening that would have dramatically changed the story of the original game of the original one. And then yeah. th- there's the, like the theory crafting around who are some of those characters that you're fighting during that boss fight. And like, you know, this one uses a sword, yeah, this so one I, uses a gun. I, I ran across that theory of what those represent. Uh, and so when I started rebirth, um, and we'll, we'll get to rebirth in a second here, but when I started rebirth is when I had to take a second and say to myself, because I didn't necessarily remember remake all that well, Wait, what am I supposed to know and what am I not supposed yeah, to know? Dude, there's like three meta layers of like, what do you remember from 27 years ago? Like, what have these more recent games established? What do the characters know within the context of the original seven? What do these potentially like other characters from other timelines know on top of that? And which yeah. versions of the characters are we watching at any yes. given moment? It's it's a mindfuck. So so at that point when I was watching, when I was knee deep and watching a crisis core recap video, I was like, I don't even know if any of this matters right yeah, now it's, because it's, it's really hard to know. We're, we're kind of rewriting. I mean, it, it's cool to know if they are changing stuff, but in terms of like, is any of this going to come up? Are we going to, so intermission has, I think it's references to, um, What's the dirge of Cerberus? Yeah. Um, did you play that? No, I, I touched some of the spinoff games here and there a little bit, but not, I don't think I ever finished any of them. And I I might be getting this totally wrong, but there are characters, there's a basement to Shinra tower where they have extra bad baddies. Uh, and this guy who looks like he's like, uh, uh, this kind of like S and M, uh, uh, guy in leather with a mask on who you fight, who just loves pain and death. 
you wind up fighting. And I think those might be from from Dirge of Cerberus. Okay, sure. I would buy that. I mean, uh, I forget what they're of, called. There's you, some other faction. Like you almost half sounded like you were describing Vincent there for a second. So, so he's a vampire, right? I, I, is he? I don't remember. I don't remember. A he's, <laughs> he's a vampire. He, I mean, he's hella goth for sure. <laughs> but I don't remember what his deal is. If he's like got some weird supernatural shit going I on. I haven't run it. I, I'm still rolling with the original party at the end of remake in rebirth. So I, I don't have any new party members to, um, to explore there. This, uh, this wiki describes him as vampire esque. <laughs> okay. like he's vampire like he's, ex- <laughs> he's extremely vampire coded. Okay. Without actually sucking blood, perhaps. Uh, um, so, so I think they referenced some of those things in there. I know the Turks are in seven originally, oh, but yeah, they have yeah. a pretty big role in, in remake. They're kind of yeah, all over yeah. the place. I mean, that's, you know, the same with a bunch of the, the Shinra corporate officers and stuff. Like they really just have to make those more of more of like more substantial characters to fill time. Uh, I mean, not, not that it's like unappreciated or unwarranted, you know, like I, I really liked what they did with rude, for example. <laughs> yeah. Um, trying to think who else in there like it's it's cool i mean that's you know that's the big part of the wish fulfillment of these games is just seeing these classic characters that were probably about 200 polygons each back in the day in these like you know really expensive high budget forms now is the with, um, with more characterization is the weapons designer in do you remember the original the, the very busty woman who is the like, oh, scarlet art? i completely did not remember her or any of hardly any like i basically i barely remember the name of reeve okay did not remember Scarlet. Did not remember Palmer. Uh, who else is in there? Like I remember Rufus. the Turks. Yeah, Rufus. I, I vaguely remembered Rufus. Did not okay. remember some of these like C-suite assholes though. Because <laughs> uh, she she's a pretty big part of Intermission as well. Okay, uh, sure. You wind up. Uh, she's kind of a big bad. Yeah. So and I, and I, th- I think a decent number of those characters come into play throughout the game or later in the original. I know Rufus absolutely comes back, and I think Scarlet does. Okay, I see. I don't remember any of that stuff. Yeah, like um, you know, I, I will, I will cop to having read a fair amount of like forum discussion about remake and rebirth as I've been doing this to help help refresh my own memory. Because again, yeah. I've, you know, there are people out there that have played seven to the point that they've memorized the entire thing, and it's like pretty interesting to read discussions among people like that who have that kind of background knowledge that I don't. Well, the the thing that was interesting to me was realizing that I wasn't as confused or, or lacking information as I thought I was. It's just confusing yes. and people have no idea what, what's going to happen and like, what's going on. Yes. And the characters themselves are confused as well in a lot of ways, yeah. especially in rebirth, which like, we won't get into that stuff too. Well, there's what's in the demo that like everybody's played at this point. Yeah. Um, I figured let's, we can maybe, um, we can maybe take a break and jump into the rebirth stuff. Okay. Uh, uh, because there's some stuff to talk about with rebirth. Yes, uh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I, you know, I guess I'll, I'll just summarize. Like I'm, I'm glad I saw remake through. I've, oh I yeah. I'm I, glad you saw it. I, I feel like it's very different to play through even mechanically to know what is going on in those end fights and just how that game winds up versus watching a movie, because even going into rebirth and the mechanics while similar also feel different enough <laughs> to, <laughs> one of the first things I said when I got really into it and they let you start using all the characters is like, what the fuck did they do to unbridled strength? <laughs> like, <laughs> wait, I, what I, did they do to it? Uh, we'll talk about it, that. Maybe it's after time limited it. now. Did it, did it used to be unlimited? Yeah. It was, it unless, be unbridled. Um, yes. 
Actually, well, it's funny. There's a modifier for it called utterly unbridled strength. Yes. Which like enhances. I don't think it doesn't make it unlimited time. It, maybe it had a hidden timer on it in the original game. I never, this is Tifa's like yeah. core ability that raises her chi and lets her do better moves. I never once saw that tier go back down over time. It was always because I triggered it. Okay. Even if the maybe, ATB meter ran down? Maybe if the fight is long enough, it does run out in the original. Huh. But in this, it's very explicit that because one of the first one of the first mods you can get for it is like increase the length of unbridled strength by yeah fifty uh, percent. Well, so the big question, Brad, you you finished it. You saw them do the like no fate, but the you know what we choose. What yeah. did you think of? I mean, That's, you had to have kind of got hints about what they were going to do. Yeah, yeah, like you know, getting to the end and seeing what they did with the last couple fights was like the least surprising thing ever. And I kind of wish that it had not been, like I said, as kind of anime as it was, because mm-hmm. I like the I like the slow build mystery of the original game. You know, where you're 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 seeing the aftermath of Sephiroth come through and fuck everything up, but you're not seeing him do it. You sure. Know? And so, like, but again, that was one game they needed a way to finish this that was more than like, hey, the president's dead. See you in four years. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, and then the alternate timeline stuff, I have no fucking idea. Like it's very intriguing, but so is everything that leaves you with more questions than answers. Well, and, I remember, and, and you know, we'll, we'll see if it pays off by the time this rebirth and whatever the next game is by the time all that is over. If that actually has paid off, we'll see. I remember at the time finishing it and feeling like, oh, they've they've disconnected themselves for the rest of this from having to meet all the requirements of the rest of the final. Yes. Like they use this game to basically say, look, we know, you know, but like, we're going to do something different here. Yeah. Yeah. They absolutely could do anything at this point. Yeah. Uh, And some of the fan theories out there about what rebirth is going to do are buck wild. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's it. I think that's probably the right move on their part because a beat for beat, remake i don't think would be as nearly as interesting yeah i I agree with you for sure but 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 there are certain things you want to see Uh, or at least referenced right so yeah so i don't know i don't know where you draw that line like what balance do you strike there i don't know and that's uh we'll talk about that when we jump back into our early uh thoughts on rebirth right after this break All right, we are back, and that's going to end the spoilers for Final Fantasy VII Remake and the intermission stuff. And So, Brad, you and I are uh, uh, f- maybe not even – you said about six hours. I'm probably a dozen hours plus in. Alex, you think you played a little bit, right? I, the, I played the, the intro, rebirth. but that was pretty much it. Um, so there was the demo. So we're not going to do too many spoilers here, or we're going to try to avoid any spoilers really narratively that's in yeah. re- that are in Rebirth. We'll talk about mechanics and stuff like that, so yeah. like if you're sensitive to that stuff uh, – <laughs> Then I, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll probably, to this, probably for God's touch, touch on some details that are in the demo. So the which, demo which again, takes most, place. Most people have played. Uh, the demo is it takes place from um, the flashback to Nibelheim uh, and that whole scenario, and then they added parts of wandering around the outside. I didn't play through all of the second part they added in, but you're on the Chocobo around the Junon region, uh, which I don't. I haven't even gotten up to. I loaded that part up to see where it is. I haven't gotten that cutscene yet. I've yeah, been told about late. that cutscene, but I haven't gotten that cutscene yet. That seems way later, or not way. It seems somewhat later in the actual game. There's a big gap that between those two things in the demo. Did you see the big gun? Did I see the big gun? Oh, the, the like, when you run around that kind of thing. Yeah, the giant coastal gun. No, not yet. Okay. Uh, so what I'm up to in the rebirth 
uh, for those kind of picking up and, and, and wondering what we're going to talk up to basically opened up the map of the first area to do, kind of do whatever you want. And I think we said this or Brad, do you think you said it explicitly? This is a map. <laughs> this is a map game. I, I knew it was going to be more open. Was not expecting this. Like, I mean, to, to be clear, I want to say up front, like I am, I am poised to like this game way more than remake <laughs> because remake is a hallway game yeah. by and large. And even the kind of quasi open areas of remake and the stuff you're doing there is pretty dull for the most part. Like this is full on open. So did you have the same weird thing? And I, I'm still kind of running into it, even like a dozen hours into it where, where you, you are on the map, the world map. And it's basically the same thing. I do feel like the camera's maybe a little close in sometimes. I do wish they pull it out a little bit when you're oh, running Oh, there's there. a setting for that. I don't know if- Oh, I should I, go check that out. I okay. had no idea when I streamed it last week, somebody recommended- I should for both for both, for both combat and exploration. There's three settings for camera distance and it's defaults to the closest. Uh, but it's weird when you run up on a group of enemies and it doesn't like zoom in or switch or lock you into some kind of boundary. It just feels weird. You're yeah, just fighting. It's weird. And also, you know, the party, the active party is still three members, but the other party members that you have that you're not actively using yeah. are still hanging out on the sidelines of those open world fights. Taking some pot shots. Stuff. Yeah. Like I didn't have Barrett in my party. He was still hanging out, shooting at the enemies from yeah. the sidelines. I don't, I, don't, I don't think he was doing any damage though. Uh, but you can just kind of run away, you know, if you yeah. want, you, you can, uh, I've had, you know, some critters that have engaged and then be like, ah, I'm just going to run and just go. It's just, you just encounter him on the on the field, and and that's it. No like special battle music, or yeah. or maybe it does change, but you know what I mean. No like uh, arena that pops up. Uh, so that's kind of weird. But there are towers that unlock other icons as you uh, as you uh, uh, activate the towers. Got your field data. You got to go collect. You got uh, there's like there's about seven things I've hit so far that are like all right, collect all of these. Yeah, go go get the proto relic. Um, yeah. What else is there? Find find the life crystal, like life stream crystal. Find the, yep. Founts. Find the find the sum the special parts of the summon that weaken the summon, so you can challenge it in the VR thing. Because mm-hmm. I don't know if you did I, any VR battles, but no, uh, I'm not far past where Chadley shows up for the first time. But I had to laugh when Chadley showed. This game's pretty funny. Yeah, like, they're def- absolutely funny parts of the original game, like the original remake. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, like there were there were parts of remake that were quite charming, but like I th- I feel like this one has pr- consistently more and better personality to it, even even in just the most throwaway NPCs that you meet. Yeah, Chadley's not throwaway. No, no, I'm not talking about him. I'm talking like just the the dialogue sure. as you're running around town. You know, the ambient dialogue, or even like the even the Queen's Blood players, for example. Oh, Queen's Blood have got some amazing writing. Is Queen's Blood new, or is that yes. did that come in from somewhere else? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a it's kind of an old Final Fantasy staple. Since people are going to riot over this question, did Seven have a, a game of this nature? Like Eight, absolutely did. I, in my memory, Eight is the first one. Was an Eight Triple Triad? I think was the first. <laughs> That's I'm pretty sure. Familiar. I want I feel like Triple Triad was the first like major Final Fantasy persistent mini game. You know, Ten had Blitzball. Like it's been a thing for a while. Anyway, Queen's Blood is very good. <laughs> It's, it's I had pretty to, good. I had, to, I had to stop playing Queen's Blood this morning to play more of the actual game because I just wanted to beat all the Queen's Blood players in Calm before I moved on. But the the players themselves are kind of fun. Uh, yes, like the goofy. crying the crying guy. Did you meet him? Mm-hmm. 
It's kind of kind of hilarious. Like the lady, the lady that's in a box fort. You breached my fort. Well, the lady who gets really mad when you have to knock down her box fort so you can go play yes. the card game against her. Uh, and it's like a weird like, um, territory control card yeah, game. It's, that- it's like a three game, a three lane card game. Yeah. You're just kind of taking control of spots on the lanes to get more score than the other player. They're very fast. Like that's actually I really want to play more Queen's Blood, <laughs> but like the matches are five minutes maybe. Like they're, they're, it depends, I think, how much you're trying to think about it. But there's, let's see, three, four. It's only it's only three by five. It's only three lanes. Okay, so there's five 15 spots, cards you can put down. Five spots, five five spots per lane. Yeah, yeah so, so it's yeah, and and like that's crucial for me because it's like I just want to play a match or two of Queen's Blood and not feel like I'm sidelining the entire rest of the game. Yeah, and you can absolutely do that. Like to the point that it's like I'll probably just play everybody I come across. Every person yeah. there is to challenge, I'll probably at least take one stab at it. I was Rather, seeking them out. There's three yeah. in calm. Um, and so you, you get, and you get, you know, cards for, for beating them. And yeah, it's the whole thing. You know, you, you rank up, you rank yeah. up in Queens blood as, uh, as you beat people and, and you get more cards and build decks. Like the, the item transmuting, you, you level up in item crafting in this. Oh man. So you and can, like, yeah. So you get a thing that can take the resources you're gathering for throughout the open world, your grasses, yes. your, 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 Chocobo and, can sniff out stuff in the ground. And God uh, bless whoever decided to forego any kind of crafting material pickup animation whatsoever. Oh, you just push like, the button. You don't even flinch when you pick up stuff. It is instantaneous. You can just run at full sprint over materials. And you can pick, pick it up from your Chocobo. You yes. And you pick up, um, I think you pick up the whole group from your Chocobo. You just push triangle once and it picks up like three. You can yep. also open chests from your Chocobo, which okay. is nice. All right. Um, yeah, but you get that stuff, and then you can not only can you build or transmute or whatever they call it potions and and items, you can do ar- the armor trinkets yeah, and make armor and amulets or, yes. or uh, accessories. Yes, and and the first time you like you want to craft everything you can because the first time you craft any given item, you earn experience toward ranking up your crafting. Yeah, do hickey, and every time you level up, you unlock more recipes. So it's like they snuck a little MMO in there. Uh huh. You know, get your yeah. crafting going. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think I'm rank five or six now in my crafting. I'm just, you know, made some earrings and some power wrist guards or whatever, just so I can have them. Uh, I, you know, this does get a little heady. It seems like it would be a real tough one for somebody to just jump into rebirth without remake because you jump into a party of five. Yes. People? You have five. Five people. They do make it easy to switch parties on the fly. You can have three preset parties that you can switch about as fast as you can hit the shoulder buttons, which is cool. Oh, wait. Can you switch them from the map? Yes. Oh, or, okay. I mean, from the field. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you from hit, the field. Okay, I've been X. going into the menu to switch. No, them. no, no. Hit hit X to go into like the command mode where you can cast a spell or, or yeah. use an item. And then just R1, L1 okay, for your presets. Cycles, cycles back and forth. But each party member plays pretty differently. Uh, and... You know, if you're not familiar, I'm like a little, I'm, I can remember it's like the muscle memories coming back of like, oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I can mash my way through these, but on the harder battles, I want to be a little more cautious and, you know, uh, have not have Aerith just blowing her ATB when she doesn't need it or, or, you know, getting people pressured and then into staggered and, you know, uh, that whole thing. And I don't know if it's playing exactly like remake did. I'm sure there are some changes, but that part feels similar, but then there's the whole synergy mechanic. Yeah. There's, uh, there's a lot going on in this, which that was an intermission. So that, that 
thing where you can like team up to uh, spend another currency, another uh, a bar to team up and do moves was in there. But those, I don't those, think it wasn't in remake, right? No, definitely okay. not. And the, those have a whole new range of icon signifiers to memorize yeah. that I have not yet of like this synergy attack will give this one character oh, unlimited yeah. MP for a little while or whatever. Which is kind of amazing. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Like, I am super into a lot of the mechanical stuff. Like, the synergy stuff, there's a lot there to get your head around on top of an already pretty mechanically dense game in the last one. So, like, I'm it's going to be a while before I really feel comfortable with everything. But, like, a bunch of the little stuff I've seen, and again, playing them end-to-end makes this stuff very stark. Like, thank fucking God they have taken most of the core character development stuff off of weapons. <laughs> and moved yeah. it into folios. folios. I, don't think, I don't think you see that stuff in the demo, right? That's not in, uh, no, that's not in the I flashback think, stuff. No, because I think you see it in Calm, though. It might be in the new, the Juno, the like open world stuff, if you can check your folios there. I'm not sure, but yeah. So that's basically your sphere grid, right? Yeah, your, like every, every character just has a core sphere grid now rather yeah. than having to level on each weapon every time you get a new weapon or switch weapons. Though um, you can... Weapons do still your, have a... Weapon weapons power. have you yeah weapons do have unique abilities but i think those seem to unlock more linearly as the weapons rank up but but you're but you're you know here's new spells here's yeah. 200 extra hp here's you know this x y and z like core character thing is just on that basic sphere grid and not tied to what weapon you're using it also seems like that's where you're going to be uh the reason i didn't spend too many points there because it feels like that's where you're going to be figuring out how you want to build your party dynamics as well. Yeah. Cause there's a lot of, Hey, Barrett does an extra move with, yes. with cloud here. All, and I'm like, I the, don't know if I'm going to do Barrett and cloud all the time. Yes. Or, all, all the synergies are on there and you're right. Like a bunch of the, a bunch of the like paths you might want to go down. Cause it is a sphere grid. You have to do yeah. things adjacently and like, Oh, I want to get the stuff down this path, but that means I have to get this ability with this other character that I don't envision using together with this one very right. much. Like you can refund it for free as much as you want. Yeah, they say that. Like, don't, don't sweat it. And I was like, yeah. well, come on. I always sweat yeah. it. I'm going to sweat it. I'm yeah, always like going to sweat it. The synergy stuff I, is going to take some time. There are like, so, like a bajillion combinations there. So there's the synergy stuff. And then there was this other thing where like, I can't remember. <laughs> I have to go back and check either in the uh, codex for the game or like the help manual or just go back to uh, Chadley to do it again. There was like a thing where I was blocking, but I was able to synergize while I was blocking. Yeah. Uh, and I... It hasn't come up again. I, I don't know. Like right. when I block it, the menu doesn't come up like it did that time. That, that's what I mean when I say there's a lot here. Like it's not just, it's not as simple as just picking synergy attacks off the menu. There's like, like you said, there's stuff around blocking. There's stuff around perfect blocking, like timing <laughs> the blocks and parrying and all kinds of stuff that and seem to tie into different, different attacks. Did cloud have the ability when, if you dodge to immediately attack to do a ranged attack? No, or? that's new as well. Okay, that that's also new. threw me for a loop. All right. Yeah. Cause there's all like, there's different actions now where it's like, Hey, if you, if you do this, you do this, you do this different move set. And it's like, Oh geez. Okay. Yeah. For the most part though, I am at this point in the game, mashing my way through for all intents and purposes, kind of mashing my way. I'm not doing really m- minute party management in the battles. I have been, you know, people have gone down. Um, like, uh, it's, it seems like Aerith can't stand on her feet for more than a second there, but also, I, you know, I not until a couple of hours in was like, all right, let me go do the materia fucking shuffle. Let me see who's who's getting what because you by doing Chadley's um, uh, world quest intel, stuff, the, the intel you just you walk out of there with like seven new pieces of materia because yeah. you're 
even doing the tutorial stuff. It's like, you want, here's a healing material. Here's a power up material. Here's this, here's this, here's Dude. this, here's this. And I was like, okay, that's like slot them in. I must have, I must have said like the first time I got Chadley open and was able to look at his initial inventory of materia, I must have said fucking what? Like three times just going down that list of all the stuff that like in a remake context, I would have been like, Oh my God, give me that right now. Yeah. Like it's everywhere. It's like, there's there's morph because crafting is a thing now. You can literally morph enemies into crafting materials to kill them with that. Yeah. Um. There's a there's a materia that causes AI controlled characters when you're not actively using them to to use their special yep. ability on triangle and yep. also makes Tifa cast unbridled strength. Yep. Automatically when you're yep. not using her. Wait, what was the um, third one he had? The other the other one that blew my mind is fucking fire and ice. Like they're just oh putting that's two, the one I bought. Yes, they're putting two elements on the yes. same material now. It's just I, that's like, the one oh I immediately God. bought with with my like, whatever research like, points. I, I was just like immediately I was like oh my God I'm in materia heaven here. <laughs> um, yeah it's. You know, look, I'm trying to temper my 100% completionist portion of my brain with my memory of finishing remake and knowing none of that stuff is coming into the next game. It's like I spent a lot of time getting all that material the first time and I got a damn Koopo charm for it. Like it's uh, I, I, I have to be careful. Um, there's also, you know. Well, you got Moogle charms as well. You got the Moogle yeah. currency. Yeah. Um, I mean, as, as seemingly long as this game is, and also like, you know, it seems like a lot of the side content is going to be around like, you know, super high level hunts in the world, like super yeah. like rare, hard monsters out there to beat. Like there's absolutely going to be value in like grinding and leveling up materia and doing better specs on your party to take on those challenges. I, and it I, seems like a very long game also. I, I wonder uh, on the crafting side, if you will wind up crafting like from boss materials or hard materials in the world, special items that you can only craft oh, and not buy like monster hunter style. <laughs> yeah. yeah or I'd, any, I'd, like, you know, soul style where yeah. use this, this drop to craft a thing. I'd be shocked if there was not some stuff like that. Uh, because like, why are you going to make, why are you going to make earrings on <laughs> a thousand earrings? Right. You know, like what, yeah. what are you going to do? Yeah. Um, or, or maybe, maybe the economy seems so different now. Like it's, it's really very much like I'm burning through potions every time. I'm like, man, I'm not wasting mana to heal. I'm just going to burn some potions. Cause I could just go get some grass and go make some more potions here. Um, I'm not taking, I'm trying not to take it with me this time. I'm just gonna, I'm going to go through, uh, and, and use the items that are there. The other thing they have, uh, with the chocobo mounting, you open up fast travel points with the chocobo, but then you have to fix them up to heal at them. Use a cushion. Is that what it is? Yeah. Are those cushions single use or? I don't know. I only have one. I haven't used it. I, I, I used I, mine already. You did. So can you use it again? It, I, it seemed like it was expended. Basically you uh, find it's kind of like the bus stop looking things sort of like yeah. in the first game, except that the benches are very broken down looking. Yeah. And you know, Cloud's delicate posterior. He has to set a little cushion down on the old bench before he'll be as willing to sit on it. Right. And it seems like you lose that cushion afterwards. Okay. You have to, I, probably have to buy more. I'm not sure. So you do get free fast travel. And so it's a little weird because you could probably fast travel back to a town, heal, and go back to where you are. It's just going to take you some time. Yeah. Um, but I've, I've wandered around a lot of that map so far, just kind of knocking off the um, little icons that come up. And 
I'm enjoying that part of it. Yeah. I'm enjoying that part more than pushing the story forward at this point. Yeah, like I said, I just got all the icons filled in right before this podcast, and I had to resist going. Like, I'm dying to go <laughs> tick off some icons because the combat's fun. The combat's yeah. fun. Like, the party customization, all the material stuff is fun. Like, more of more, more, more side stuff that engages you with those mechanics and less of like, I'm going to run around Sector 7 collecting water filters. Yeah. Or I need to find these five lost children, you know? Like, this type of side content is way more on my wavelength than what Remake did. So far, the thing that is 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 hitting the making my brain fire is most of the side content I've engaged with feels like it's getting you some item or piece of an item or something that's going to contribute to some better thing, right? It's not just for, uh, uh, like you said, just get the water filters because going to help this person out and get, maybe get some gill or something. It's like, oh man, if you go and seek out these caves that have the essence of a Titan in it, you not only get more backstory on Titan, which is like bizarre and kind of fun, which is like, I had Chadley telling me about how he created the continent and like did all this stuff. And I was like, oh, that's huh. cool. But then you weaken him in the VR because I tried fighting him once and I did zero damage to him. Uh, he just wiped me out. Uh, and I want to summon him because I want to collect all the summons. Because if you're not collecting the summons, why are you even playing a Final Fantasy seven game? Seriously, you know? seriously. Also, bringing those saves in, I couldn't believe like they don't, they don't even give you enough summons to for every character at the start of the game. Yeah, and then you just get Ramu and Leviathan out yeah. of nowhere just for having saves. Is that intermission? Is I can't remember why you get those saves. Or is that the yes? It's a it's a summon per remake and intermission okay. save. Um, oh, and the demo is the Koopa. The charm. demo demo is the Koopa charm that gets you more crafting stuff. Uh, there's, 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 yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, it seems worth it. I don't know. Sometimes you get two instead of one. It also does 5% extra HP though. So there's some, there's value there. Uh, there, there's like kind of a lot of world building in this. Yeah. Like the, I'm sure this is like old hat for people that have just immersed themselves in this universe, but like they, a lot of the inside characters you run across talk about like the Republic of Junon quite a bit, you know, <laughs> totally. it's like, Oh, like you get a sense of like what this part of the world was before Shinra came and took over everything. And where this old technology came from and this old architecture. It's like another nice thing I've appreciated about this is like the scenery change because Midgar was getting very repetitive. And it's like, you know, it's a bummer environment. You know, it's like yeah. slums, it's run down, it's industrial. Like I spent 20 minutes running around calm just looking at it. It's like this kind of quaint little like continental European looking yeah. old town with cobblestone streets and like nice old architecture and stuff. And it's like also this game looks very good. Like the, the upgrade in just visual quality or like the amount of detail they've put into it, you know, it's very obvious when you play these games back to back. Yeah, I, I, it's pretty fun. The one around. I had some problems with a little bit with the controls. I think that might have to do with just some fiddly lining stuff up and, it, you know, uh, some of the movement is a little, it's a little like animation unnatural. priority or something. Yeah. But I think uh, moving the camera out might help some of that as well. Also, there are, there are certain things that just feel like they take. It's going to sound so nitpicky, but things take like half a second longer than they should, but you, you times that by a million things you're doing and suddenly it feels like, okay, this should go a little bit faster for you to yeah. open this door or like animate yourself lining up with the door or the chest and then kicking the thing open. Yes, for sure. The first time I sat down on a bench to heal, I yeah. was like, all right, this is the moment. Do they... Did they wise up and not cut the black for at least five seconds here as you sit down and heal? Yeah. And then it did it. And I was like, I think the, I think the cut to black is actually longer now. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. So like some of those things where it's like, oh, okay, I've hit like two or three stealth parts too, that are like, uh, 
don't need this in this game or a, yeah like you have to, to self to tame your first chocobo and that's kind of silly but whatever. yeah and like hide and they do that more we're like yeah you can roll and hide i don't know how often they'll do it but but i'm like kind of excited to get more chocobos <laughs> like, yeah dude i want to go collect chocobos also like is there is the chocobo gear just cosmetic it seemed like, and I got the one like Shinra armor for yeah. it, and I think it is. But yeah, I'll get, I'll, I'll put some armor on my chocobo. Like you're, you're straight up collecting Not chocobo feathers as currency to buy more chocobo gear with. You, you know, if you do some enough of something, win all the races, do whatever you need to do, do twenty seven of something, you're gonna be able to ride the fat chocobo, and that's mm-hmm. that's what we all want. <laughs> it's gonna make the whole thing worth it. It's all uh, anything has ever wanted. <laughs> It's it's gonna be and the chocobo music's pretty good. Like when you're riding on the chocobo or doing yeah. the races, at least. Yeah, the music has been excellent. So as somebody as somebody who listens to the seven soundtrack on a regular basis, uh, the music has mostly been quite good. They they lay the main theme on a little too thick. I'll say that. So I I was not until I opened up the world map. I felt like I was had to drag myself back to that game to be like, okay, I should play sure. some more rebirth and go. Uh, not until the map opened up and I had got a bunch of side objectives that I feel like, okay, yeah, no, I want to go out there. I want to go back and I want to go clean up and do some of these things in the world. Before that, I was like, man, yeah, I should play some and see where it's going. We're going to talk yeah. about it on the podcast. Let me get in there and go play some. But now I kind of want to go into the world and go check yeah, it out. Yeah, I, I can absolutely see that. I mean, I was able to get through all the intro stuff because I was in grind mode already and I was just like, I've got to get through this. I need to see more of this game. But but also the weird story stuff is what kept me going there. I wanted to see what they bookend the Nibelheim stuff with mm. was intriguing enough that I was like, all right, I need to see where they're going with the stuff. But then yes, once you get the open world fully opened up, that was the point where we're like, all right, now I want to play this. Yeah. Game. Like now I want to do all the stuff this game has for me to do. And I'll say this again. I think I mentioned it last week. If you played through the demo of uh, the Nibelheim flashback, and you're like, they make, they force you to go through it again, um, up to certain points. And then they're like, they put up a pop-up that's like, okay, you've made it far enough. Did you do the stuff with Sephiroth? You could skip it now. I'm sure you got that. Did you get that at all? Or no, no. So, so I found out, I'm thankfully, I found out that you only need save data from yeah. the three things to get all the bonuses in this. You don't Not actually have to save. play them. I literally started the demo, skip all the cutscenes, saved it the second I had control of the character and then closed it. And that was enough. But so it never prompted you like, hey, do you want to skip this portion of the Nibelheim no, stuff? No, because I think you have to load a save from the demo for it to do that. I just hit new game in Rebirth proper. I, I don't... I want, oh, I actually, don't, you know what it is? The, the wording is... I think is, a clear save. The, the wording is if you finish the Nibelheim yes. flashback in the demo, then you can be prompted to skip it. So you get up to... Um, and this is in the demo. You you have to replay all the stuff that is up to you entering the Shinra building with Tifa. With so you have to replay all of that, and then it prompts you to be like, "Look, we found a clear save. Do you want to just skip this part?" And then it dumps you back out after that to back in the building at Nibelheim, uh, and then you play again from there. Um, so you just you kind of skip all the stuff inside the building, uh, but there's a cutscene at the end that unless I'm bananas and I've lost my mind is different than the cutscene that is in the retail rebirth version. So I was like, man, I did this right. I'm just skip, 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 skip. And then cloud and Tifa are having this conversation in rebirth. And I'm like, wait, what are you talking about? This never happened. I was like, Oh my God, did, did I skip? Did, did they show something else? So I went back and played it again 
in rebirth didn't like started a new game went back did it again and this time let the cutscene play out and there was like a whole back half of that oh, cutscene that wasn't that in the is it demo is it the stuff that they are talking about on the rooftop at night yes. afterwards where she he's like questioning her about did this actually happen and she proves it. Yes. Like that's, that's what, dude, that's like huge. Yeah. So it was like, so there was like, again, unless I missed it from the demo, I, and I, I pretty sure I'm not, I, I might go boot it up again after this podcast just to see, but there is this like, the biggest problem is there's this forced slow control moment in it where you're like, you, your character is just moving at the speed of molasses for, and it's really drawn out and very yes. long and i had to, to do that like, triggers yeah as you're crawling had, yeah so i had to do that like three times where like oh my gosh give me just let this be done so I, anyway if, if that's you and, and that's the case and you played through the demo watch the cutscenes um you know especially the yeah. last one because yes i think they add some stuff there for sure that that stuff is Crucial. seemingly very seemingly very important to the weird stuff they're doing with this remake series you know yeah and not um, just relevant to the original game. Uh, I, I really, I really like the flashback stuff overall. Like the, some of the like tutorial the in the demo, some of the gameplay tutorial is a little long, you know, like mm-hmm. it's a kind of a few too many fights of like, here's how you stagger and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but the actual flashback stuff, like getting to see Sephiroth pre madness was cool and realizing like he's kind of awkward, <laughs> but not, not a terrible guy, you know, no, like, it's kind like- of interesting to see is like, you know, like he's, He's he's a little bit standoffish, but he's actually like a pretty decent guy. He's got before, a pretty before he quick goes insane. Turn. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. But, but maybe given his circumstances, it's not so quick. But uh, yeah, it does seem like he goes from like it's a pretty severe turn. Also, it's, yes. I mean, his reaction to finding out the, the truth about his lineage was to just murder this entire village. <laughs> like a pretty in, pretty intense. Uh, uh, not so, a good guy. Yeah. I don't know. Again, I'm very curious to see. That's what, not a thing I a mean, good guy does. I'm sorry. I mean, if you found if you found out you were created in a lab from the cells of a 2,000 year old alien, how would you feel? Yeah, I, I don't think I'd go do a genocide about it personally. But that's just me. You know, I'm I'm maybe I'm just built different. <laughs> um, he just wants to. He wants. I, I think he's got a misunderstanding too of where what his role is supposed to be and who Geneva is and. Because again, there's all this confusion with the ancients and Geneva and Sephiroth's lineage and Aerith's yeah. lineage. And- there's stuff in there, like you said. There's there's a bunch of stuff in there that if you don't remember Seven super well, you will question your memory of things. Yeah, and like they're in there saying like, "Oh, Geneva was an ancient that we found in yeah. rock or something." I was like, "Do they believe that? Is that true in this universe? Am I misremembering something here?" Yes, I think I think they Shinra believe that, but then I think uh, it changes uh, after that. All right. I think that's going to do it for our Final Fantasy Rebirth, Remake, Intermission, Intergrade, Wrap-Up. We All will that, have, what have you. We will have more, I'm sure, of the Final Fantasy-verse in the coming weeks. It sounds like this is a very big game. I'm curious if I will burn out on it, kind of like I did on the first one, and I'd have to come back to it months, if not years later. We'll mm-hmm. see. What if from what again, what I have read so far when I looked up, like, how's this doing in reviews? Um, oh, extremely well. Uh, it seems there's, like it's doing well, but also very big. There was a yeah. promo unit on the PlayStation Store when I fired the console up this morning, the just a big splash thing. It was just like 50 perfect reviews or whatever, Jeez, like just 10 really? out of 10 after 10 out of 10. I mean, 
anytime you make marketing material like that, your definition of perfect review can be somewhat flexible. <laughs> sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, but you know what I mean? Um, it, it reviewed extremely, extremely well. Um, I wonder, uh, that's not a beat I would have wanted to have to do, even though it seems like some of that stuff may have gone out fairly early. It's a big game. To oh God, no. I mean, I've kind of done some of that and it's like the last few days have kind of taken me back to reviewing games at GameSpot a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Of just slogging through something, even when you would rather do anything else. Cause you just really need to get through it. Well, especially um, in a game like this, where there's so much extra fringe side content that you want to do, but then feel like you're under that pressure to get the mainline stuff done. Yeah. So especially because if you have to write it up and coalesce your thoughts and think yeah. about it and, you know, or the, or the, the most acute moment of that was when I died halfway through that super long last boss thing and I had to repeat it, you know, and it was just like, Oh my God, this is, <laughs> that was 20 minutes. I couldn't afford. I should go this. back and, and listen to, I know we talked about it on, I think on this podcast, I think, I think we were doing this when I finished it, uh, next lander, right? That, could yes. have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Inter- Intergrade came out that like a month after we launched this. Okay. Um, cause I remember really hating that last fight too, for the similar reason of, yeah. I can't believe they don't let you skip this cutscene. Yeah. We're, we're not alone. I went and looked around some and found some Reddit posts and stuff. And yes, a lot of people think those last couple chapters are very long. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, you know, maybe, like, maybe it's a testament to all the things that rebirth is doing differently and potentially better that I'm like, even after all of that, I'm like very excited to go get back to Rebirth. Like it seems like way more my kind of game. We'll see. Um, we'll see. Yeah, um, like, I feel like we have just scratched the surface. Yeah, I think the last couple things I had to step out of the room just before we move on. Like I think the potential for way more meat to what you remember from the original game is there. Where again, you're not just in this one city, and in fact, just in like three sectors of the slums of this one city. You know, like there's you're going to see a lot more diversity of environments, different towns, different places that you go you know like there's a lot mm-hmm. more you're, they're covering a lot more of the original game in this than they did in remake yeah know? well hopefully so, well i guess uh, well I, I mean they've said where it ends like okay they, like I, I know where this ends there's definitely more to what you're going to experience in this than there was in remake i really don't remember i gotta go back i may i'll load my save up from seven uh and go see pop around that world a little bit i think we i think we talked about this on the Ramblecast. that is on my list is to dig out my playstation one memory card usb adapter and yeah. dump my saves and go look at what i did in the original game yeah yeah i, sh- um, I should just to kind of run around and see i'm, I'm curious who's in my party what's my what's my party yep. rolling uh-huh. with? did you change any of the names uh, could you change them in seven um i think you I changed think so. all of them Okay. I think I wanted, I actually played through the beginning of seven and eight over the weekend on the mister just to remember a little bit. I want to say by eight, you could only change Squall's name. You couldn't change oh, the really? party members or at least I ran into Quistus in the intro and it didn't let me change her name. So maybe you still could. I don't know. I think seven let you change all of them. Hey, who's your main fighting um, party right now? Who's your, who's your, who's your main, who you main in, in, in rebirth? In rebirth. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm not deep enough into, I haven't even, I haven't, I literally have not even used Barrett or red 13 yet. Like, Okay. I'm like, because every time you, you with red 13. Yeah. But I swapped to Tifa and Aerith <laughs> immediately. But like every time you use a character for the first time, there's a whole like three pages of yeah. tutorial to go through. <laughs> so Don't I was like, I'm, I'm going to save these other two until after this podcast and just focus here a little bit. Chadley, I'll go um, over it with you again. I'm sure it's, it's all there in the manual. Last, uh, last thing I'll say. Yeah. Hmm. We're not going to get into this, but all the stuff with Zach and the alternate timeline and stuff. All I will say there is I went into this thinking like, 
are they just going to drop that in this? Are they going to like put that on the back burner again? Was that just something they teased at the end of the last game to like give people something to hang on to, like a cliffhanger kind of thing? Because they knew it was going to be years before the next one. They go, f- they they go full bore with that stuff. Yeah, like that stuff is right there. Um, which is basically just to say there's a lot of new mystery to unpack with this game. Yeah, like again, I don't. Hey, uh, I have a uh, I have a question. Well answers lead to questions the, the, uh, the intro i will say so the, the structure is there's like a, a basically barely playable intro and then then it's all the demo flashback yeah. stuff and then you get out in the open world that intro was extremely confusing to me yes that's when i stopped <laughs> is, is what I, I will say that's when i stopped and i went to go watch all those crisis core videos yeah because um, i was like what is happening yes or, uh, or not not confusing in the sense that i didn't understand what i was seeing but you just don't understand how to connect what's happening like it's, it's i don't know i didn't of, understand what i was seeing um uh, like I, I, it didn't make sense to me. It shouldn't be happening. Right. Yes, yes. There's a lot of stuff where you're like, what? What are they doing with this game? What is this? Uh, are the robed <laughs> figures in the original? Do you remember? Yeah, they're all over the place. The, the like reunion Genova guys. Okay, in, in the robes. Yeah, they're everywhere. Okay, There's in also, the original one. Oh, oh, you mean like original, original? In seven, yeah. I thought you meant a remake. Um, no, no. I don't remember. Okay, I, I didn't mean, re- remember they, it. There might have been some of that stuff in there. I mean, there's the whole like reunion project stuff, I think, in the original okay. game, right? So I think they might be related to that. I don't actually know. Okay, because there's a lot of that going on in the in the new Final Fantasies. Yes, for sure. Alex, let's just do some check-ins before we take a break. All right. Bellatro. Still playing it. Uh-huh. More than I should be. Uh, <laughs> but I have successfully beaten two runs in that game, one on the, uh, the base difficulty and one on the, uh, the, the next tier up, both with the green deck, if you are keeping track at home, uh, cause they give you a bunch of different decks and some of them have like bonuses attached to them or various kinds. And some of them are more severe than others. Mm-hmm. Right now, the green deck is the only one I've won anything with. I'm not <laughs> sure why it's just that one has worked for me. Uh, but I've unlocked a decent amount of stuff. Uh, game's fucking devious, man. Uh-huh. Like. I, I'm learning now more about like it's not just about happening upon the right jokers or the right bonus cards or whatever. Like it, it, once you get into the higher difficulties and some of the crazier decks, it really helps to focus on trying to build out certain mm-hmm. things. So you know, I I got really lucky on one where I managed to just basically uh, use so many of the planet cards, which are the ones that you use to level up the types of hands. Oh, sure, yeah. yeah. Um, that the there's a joker that basically like adds X number of multiplier to the number of planet cards you used. And then I found another one that's the repeat, like basically copy the action of the joker that is directly right yes. of it. Uh-huh. So basically I was getting like just tons and tons of multiplier off of that by just spamming planet cards and then like just getting tons of multiplier off that. So that's how I beat the the second difficulty. Okay. And then, um, if you start over, do you have to start from difficulty one again, or do you can you you can do it? Home? I mean, so basically, every deck that you unlock, you have to start on the base uh, difficulty with okay. it until you beat it, and then it then you can do another difficulty level and and all of that. It's all deck specific. Okay. So right now, green is the only one that I have unlocked like multiple difficulty tiers in. Still loving it. Yeah, though <laughs> I I I'm I'm now at the point where it's like okay. I've played enough of this for professional reasons. Uh-huh. There are other things I need to start playing, so I might have to find a way to force myself to stop playing it for a while. You said uh, you said like if you don't know jack about poker, 
like all that info is in there. Like the, all the info you need to play the game effectively is in the game. Yeah. I mean, really the only thing you need to know is what is the tiering of hands. That's it. You do not need to know more about the act of playing poker than knowing that a straight flush beats a four of a kind. That's it. Is there anything above a full house? Yes, there is the four of a kind and there's straight flush. Okay. Which also was, you know, royal flush is technically its own hand, but I mean, it's still just a straight flush. Okay. Clearly I have That's in there. There's like a cheat sheet in there. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I feel like I have to try this game. There are too many people Mm -hmm. saying too many very strong, intense things about it. There's always one game every year that is just sort of my demon game that just haunts me for way longer than it should. And I can already tell that this is going to be at least one of them this year. I just have to I have to exercise that demon for a little while because there are other video games I need to be playing. Like Pacific Drive, for instance. Pacific Drive, I was just going to mention. So you played some of this when we did the yeah. uh, Steam Next Fest. It and is I managed out. to play past where the demo was, so I'm okay. a little further in. Game gets weird. Yeah. Weirder. It's already weird from the yeah. start, but it definitely starts picking up like once you kind of get past some of that early demo stuff. Yeah, so like once you uh it's it's uh, I played a little bit more since when I streamed it as well. The setup is you're basically in a station wagon uh, doing runs through the kind of quarantine zone-ish uh, place. Oh, where, you mean the Olympic exclusion zone? <laughs> yeah, through the exclusion zone where anomalies are happening and you're you're getting resources. And once you're doing a run, you have to basically get this certain material enough of it to open a portal to get out, but it's the main resource also you're using to upgrade blueprints and and get better parts for your car and your garage and all of that. So you're basically Mm -hmm. doing runs to get resources, get back out before you basically die in the zone. And you and your, your station wagon have this symbiotic relationship and it's pretty cool. There's a lot in it. There's- yeah, they talk about your car like it is this uh, entity, basically, that has appeared as a car. They call yeah. it they call it a remnant. Yeah, it's basically like an object of power, yeah. uh, you know, control style. And so, you know, you're out there. There's a handful of people kind of radio chattering at you as you are doing these runs and hunting for stuff. The first time you go out of a run is fucking buck wild because, like... Basically, the lady is like, okay, so there's a giant beam. Just go drive into that. Yeah. Don't worry. I know it looks like hot death, but just go. And it kind of looks just, like hot death. And, you know, the, when I did it, like, there were at least two drones chasing me around. So it was just like trying to get into my car was fucking hard. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, you know, it gets that was, hectic. Yeah, it gets kind of hectic when you're trying to get out. And, like, there's a weird, there's a real uneasy feeling to just being out in this world, Yeah. but it is not like there are just giant monsters running around, at least in the, the early goings. It's mostly just those patrol drones, and then the the instability, which is the sort of larger force that is out there and fucking everything up. Yeah. Uh, it, but, it like, they layer a lot of interesting lore, like, pretty early on, and they do it in a pretty deft way that does not feel like they are bogging you down with radio chatter and all this other stuff, it feels like there's a lot of mystery to explore, but they do a good job of setting it up. seems like maybe, uh, again, I'm still fairly early on, but the person who's talking to you at the garage was maybe involved in some ill shit that thought was good. They thought we were going to change the world, but maybe change the world for weird how that works out. (laughs) Not the better. Uh, as you're driving around, the instability causes weird manifestations of, 
abilities to happen in the, like, sometimes you get a boost or a jump or like your car gets electrified and these things pop up randomly as you're driving there's a lot of unsettling noises around your car because you have to get out of the car to go collect stuff and it always feels like there's a presence kind of mm-hmm. waiting for you where you just want to jump back in the car shut the door turn the car on and start driving again and just get the fuck out of there yeah like being outside sucks in this game and i don't mean that in like a, it's hard or it's frustrating i mean it can be a little difficult but it's when stuff's really popping off but like more it's just like the feeling is yes. is very uncomfortable uh i don't know if you got to the point where your car gets basically uh sick and you have to diagnose it no i haven't gotten that far yet uh yeah you got your car picks up weird traits mine was when i turned the steering wheel too hard the lights would go out oh uh, and you have to diagnose it and there's like a little puzzle to diagnose the thing and you're like well what what are the symptoms you're like and you get choices kind of mad lib style like turning the wheel makes the lights huh dim and then you get kind of like oh okay here's what you need a replacement bulb kit or something uh, and you fix you fix that, and I don't know, man. I had a I had a run on the stream where I barely made it out alive. The car was upside down, skidding into that beam mm-hmm. of light because you have to kind of outrun this radiation that is gonna uh, kill you. As everything feels like it is falling apart, as you just gun your freaking station wagon. I'm yeah, really that, enjoying it. That sounds awesome. It's cool. I've got to play that game. I, I really wanted to play it before I got into <laughs> Final Fantasy Hell. Like, I've only just gotten started in it, but I can already tell, like, I mean, look, I don't necessarily love these sort of, like, hunt and, and craft games super much, but there's a vibe to this one that I really appreciate, and, like, I want to get just, right, jump back in there and see what's going on. So I, I died during a run, uh, the car kind of brought me back to the garage, like, oh, I thought you were dead, and the car kind of pulls up with you. And I think you just lose the materials, at least from what I can tell you, lose the materials that you, you went hunted out for. The, yeah. Yeah. So not, I, I have to play more of it. I don't know what the mechanics are, what the penalties are, but that to me felt like, okay, I can play this. If that's the penalty, it's not like start from beginning again. And yeah, that seems you know, like pretty manageable because you're, you're adding on to this car the entire time fixing up the armor on it or the the beat up nature of the car like you're collecting crafting recipes so that you can make better shitty doors and better (laughs) tires and you know like get better weird gadgets to run around and hunt for stuff yes there's a lot of blueprints and a lot of stuff to build and and figure out it's cool pacific drive it's neat uh, it's out now finally alex you opened up the uh animal crossing ish part in like a dragon infinite wealth yeah, I took kind of a break on uh, Like a Dragon just because there was other stuff going on, and like I know I'm going to be playing this game probably for the majority of this year. That's just how it always goes with JRPGs that I actually like. Um, well, it but, sounds like a dig on Final Fantasy. Wow, you really spat, spat that out there. Look, I'm not a Final Fantasy guy. <laughs> I've said this many times over. No, I know. I, it, I just This is not a me. A, 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 I think all Final Fantasy sucks. It's Final Fantasy is not for me kind of guy. Mm-hmm. I like some JRPGs. I like the Persona games. I like these Like a Dragon games now. So they because they have basically just embraced being JRPGs. Good for them. Um, but yeah, so like I got like twenty five hours into that game, and I unlocked like the Pokemon mini game. I had like basically unlocked every mini game that wasn't the Animal Crossing thing, the Dondoko Island bit. And I was like, when the fuck am I going to get to this? And then I finally did. They just kind of dump it on you. Like you just wake up on an island, and like it's this abandoned resort island 
that has become a, basically abandoned because an evil waste management company has been dumping all their garbage there. Sure, Shinra. And I, I want to emphasize, these guys are cartoonishly evil. One of them is dressed like fucking Jack Sparrow, and he works for a waste management company, and all he does is show up and like cackle about how easy it is to dump garbage on your island. <laughs> so are you trying to clean up the island to make a better place? You're cleaning up the island... Uh, you are trying to hit the star ratings, uh, which you do by achieving various goals. Um, you are adding new buildings, you know, buying furniture for your little house, fishing, hunting, but like literally it's just animal crossing. <laughs> Can you invite the, the, new the fucking people? cicada noise is happening in the background when you run around this island. I like the idea that they may have actually made this as a full on parody of animal crossing. If the, if the details are that close. It's very close. I mean, it's still working within this game engine, so, like, it isn't little cartoon animal people or anything, but, like, but that said, the first two people you meet on this island are mascots that have just stayed on the island. Can you invite other NPCs to live on the island? So that's the thing I haven't really gotten to yet, but yes, there is a guest system, so there is a whole, like, bring people to the island aspect of the game. Okay. I spent hours just cleaning up the first couple of areas and building stuff. Uh, and getting to the one star rating. Uh, and that, you know, it, this is a thing you could lose a lot of time to, and I'm going to try not to. Uh, but it feels like, yeah, I mean, look, I don't think it's quite as good as Animal Crossing, but it's pretty good for a game they jammed in another game. Did you borrow money from someone to build a house? No, there is not a Tom Nook equivalent. There is a guy who runs the island, but he is a lot more benevolent than the okay. arch-capitalist Tom Nook. Okay, we'll, we'll see, because they should yeah. just have a Tom Nook. Uh, so, is it completely optional? Or I'm sure there's like a forced part, and then you can go back into it if you want. Yeah, like there's a whole chapter that basically kicks off with you doing this stuff. Uh, it is, I think, like a lot of these other mini games, it is a thing you can't ignore and probably still finish the full main story. But uh, it feels like there's stuff that ties into it story wise, and ah. you know, like similar with the. Po I think there's also some crossover with the Pokemon aspect of the game, the the ah. the Sujimon. Uh It's. There's like a game. There's like two different games inside this other giant game. They've really outdone themselves. There's no queen's uh, queen's blood. Yeah, queen's blood. Queen's blood. Dude, put queen's blood on a phone. <laughs> there you go. Do it. Uh, so the Hawaii map is big too, man. Yeah, it, like it, just like, run around town. Yeah, like it's big. Also, I forgot the most important detail. When you want to go back to the um, the main island. You ride a dolphin. Oh my gosh! Wait, really? Do you like cutscene, or you control the dolphin a little bit? Yeah, it's just it's just a it's just a little animation, but it's just literally like, hey, you know, you're, to get back you to meet this game. dolphin, and then the dolphin is like, okay, you're gonna ride this dolphin back to the main island. That's it. I really enjoyed my time I spent with it. I, I need to jump back there at some point. It's gonna I, be. You're gonna need to spend some time yeah. if you're serious about it. Yeah, uh, I got a lot of JRPG on my on my belt. I get it, man. I get it. Yeah, I'm also sitting here looking at the release calendar. Yeah, like, just saying, I, I, I really, I really want to play. Re like, I'm probably, I'm almost certainly going to finish Rebirth. I'm like that deep into the FS7 stuff, but like Dragon's Dogma Two is not that far off. Still like to play Infinite Wealth at some time. There are a lot of yeah. long video games out there. A lot of long video mm -hmm. games these days, uh, which is good because I feel like they're well. It's great because you know if you have a lot of time and want to play a long video game, that's great. But there, I feel like there aren't as many individual releases, so maybe some of these games will um, 
be there for folks in the in the in the, in the dark times, in the lighter times of, mm-hmm. of releases. Uh, that is like a dragon, infinite wealth out now. Man, that game came out this year, huh? Boy, mm-hmm. I feel like dude, like a month and a half a ago. Month, I don't know why I feel like that game came out in December or November of last year. This has been a long February, man. Uh, that's going to do it for the games. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. There's a little bit of news out there. It's not too much. That's good. Cause we talked a lot about final fantasy here. Uh, well, we'll come back. We'll talk about the news in just a moment. The ground. And we are back and the news. Well, what else would the news be? in let's see february of 2024 without starting with brad who's closing uh studios and laying people off or proposing to do layoffs this time sony is sony sony's turn well everybody is everybody like by the end of the year the answer is going to be everybody except maybe nintendo Um, hopefully nintendo I think I just saw a story before we uh, came back from the break to do the news. I think EA is also doing some layoffs, um, but Sony's doing that. Uh, Sony's got like nine hundred people they're looking to proposing to layoff. I, the reason we say propose is because um, in uh, is it Europe or UK under the laws? It's they, UK they specifically. Uh, you know that has to go through a series of checks, balances, what have you before they do the closures and yeah it's not a, it's not as simple as like well we just closed the studio that's it like yeah. there are proposals that have to be done there is negotiation with with labor boards and whatnot that has to happen so so according to uh jim ryan they are looking to uh get rid of or lay off around eight percent of the company that's about 900 people uh, and that's pretty much across all regions and territories specifically london studio that's the SingStar folks are going to be closed entirely or again, proposed to be closed entirely, but it sounds like it's reaching, um, everywhere. Even naughty dog insomniac. I think gorilla games just put out numbers about how many people they're, um, in- intending to have to uh, let go. It's a pretty big one for yeah. Sony. Yeah. I mean, those are Sony's biggest, most premier internal studios, right? Insomniac, naughty dog, gorilla. Yeah. They're, they make all the big games. I would say they're marquee, right? They're marquee yeah. studios. Yeah. Um, but London Studio, man. Yeah. It's been around forever. So not, I'm not forever, not... forever. I guess it looks like 2002 was London Studio's first release. But in PlayStation terms, that's almost forever. What was their first release? This is Football 2003. Okay. Uh, a lot of iToy games. A lot of SingStar, like you said. Uh, but they did the getaway. That's the one I was thinking of. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, it's it's. I always think of them as like they did the getaway and Gangs of London, mm-hmm. and then they did that PSVR game Blood and Truth that I didn't play. Or uh, I played maybe a little bit of that. Anyway, I always think of their like three little like UK crime games and not the eight hundred SingStar and iToy games they made. Mm. But anyway, yeah, pour one out. That whole studio is going away, presumably. Presumably. I was just looking to see if I could find the gorilla numbers and like stumbled off of like three other layoffs, super massive as well. Uh, the EA stuff, like I mentioned. While I was looking some of this stuff up, you have, you have this tone, maybe I'm just picking or, or 
molding this together because these stories come up here and there where you just get this, but recently you get these stories of people being like, yeah, I think I'm just going to get out for now. I've, I've done mm-hmm. my business and I'm just going to get out. Uh, notably, and this is kind of neither here nor de- there, but there was this quote in the story from, uh, Neil Druckmann, um, who was, uh, uh, doing an interview with logic, you, you know, the rapper, mm-hmm. uh, and, in a weird way was kind of comparing him to looking at Quentin Tarantino and saying, like, I didn't know this, but I guess Tarantino said, uh, he didn't want to make more than 10 films. Is oh that, yeah. That's, yes. That's been like a longstanding thing with him. 10 was, was it? it 10? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, and the that's next why, movie is his last one. Uh, presumably. Yeah. That, that's why he always promotes them as like the eighth film from Quentin Tarantino. Oh, I, yeah. I don't know. Uh, so anyway, in the, in the quote, and I'm not seeing it in context, but in the quote, um, uh, Druckmann says, so I could see myself transitioning to something that's like more low key and lower stressed that still allows me to have this creative outlet. But, you know, I've started thinking about how many more of these games do I have in me? And it's not that many, which, you know, on a lot of levels, look, he, saying it's been super stressful since Uncharted 2 was a massive hit. And ever since then, the kind of the making of games in this interview kind of according to him has changed for him. Cause you know, you have to deliver, deliver night, yeah. the next big thing. There's so much pressure. Yes. Obviously with the last of us TV thing going on and you know, um, all of the stuff around last of us, not only is it been a financial success, I'm sure it's been a very stressful uh, walk through that. But <laughs> the thing that made me laugh and want to read this quote was if you're saying, and I don't know if this is what it's saying, but it read to me like, i do something less stressful. Like maybe, make TV or, or make movies, which maybe speaks to a lot of the stresses on the games industry. I don't know, man. Like Druckmann is, I mean, he's been executive producing that, that last of a show. And I just, I don't know what I would want from him at this point, like as a game maker and as a creative, like I, I understand where he's coming from and I understand the the need to potentially like, you know, make a pivot and just say like, this is too much for me. But I also just sort of like naughty dog kind of needs a shift anyway. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if him getting out might not actually be in some ways a better thing for them in the long run. I mean, none of this is good. Obviously like a lot of this stuff coming on the heels of layoffs and, these kinds of changes at the studios, like, I'm not saying that's, like, a good thing for anyone, but, like, I don't think Neil Druckmann getting out of making AAA games is necessarily the worst thing in the world. There are other people, though, like, it's not just him, is the thing. Like, yeah, there I are mean, other people making these claims as well. Yeah, like, that's that's the more interesting thing about what he said there, like, setting aside the relative merits of his own creative output, like, just more generally, if you're in his type of position where you're making that kind of big story-driven AAA game, you're probably making like one game per console generation at this point. Or a maybe game a, a game and a half at like this maybe, point. Yeah, yeah. Like maybe a game and a half where you barely get a second one in that ships cross-gen on the next platform or something like that. But like, I could absolutely see, I don't, you know, I don't know what the production timelines are like for a TV show, but they have to be shorter than what a modern AAA game is at this point. Like, you could sit there ticking off like the rest of your career and think like, I can only make two more games before I want to Mm -hmm. retire or maybe three at most, that kind of thing. Like I could absolutely see that scaring people off. And again, it could be just, it could be just, you know, I read that and was like, 
are you talking about doing TV stuff as a less stressful thing? It doesn't necessarily mean that's what he was talking about. Maybe he wants to do something else in smaller in games or whatever, but it was kind of interesting as he is somebody who has now probably dabbled in both, you know, like, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and been fairly successful in both. But yeah, there's, um, some other stuff going on. I don't know if you guys, Brad, I feel like you might know Marcus Leto or Marcus. I've, I've heard the name a bunch. I couldn't uh, have told you until these headlines that he came from Bungie, but definitely. Yes. Apparently, uh, uh, pretty, pretty big with the master chief knows him very well. Uh, you know, kind of got halo off the ground, but started a studio called Ridgeline is also leaving that studio that he founded or taking a break from it. Uh, and again, um, you know, not saying these things are, they could be isolated, whatever they, you put them all together. It seems like there's a lot of stresses happening. And then finally in the kind of combing through, because you need three, mm-hmm. I am not familiar with, I know you guys have mentioned, um, Katsuhiro Harada's Twitter, Twitter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's um, a character. <laughs> But did you did you guys see his response to uh, uh, somebody posting about the um, kind of marketplace in uh, Tekken? No, I didn't see that stuff. Like charging four dollars for skins and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, I saw I saw him going in on some people <laughs> the other night. Uh, he wrote, "Quote: Development costs are now ten times more expensive than in the '90s, and more than double or nearly triple the cost of Tekken Seven." Even the fight lounge servers are costly to maintain. In the past, there weren't so many specs and there wasn't online. Plus, they didn't have such high resolution and high definition. Now, so many people want the game to run and be supported for a long time. It costs money to continually update the game for that reason. However, he, I think the original poster, probably only keeps good memories of the old games he experienced as a boy and does not pay attention to these changing times and increasing costs. The economic situation and everything else is changing. If we simply do nothing, as he suggests, the game will simply stop running in a few months. I think that is what he wants. So there is no point in talking to him about these realities. He wants us to stop economic activity and stop updating and supporting the game. I mean, listen, it's an intense response, but he's not wrong. And the thing is, the things people are complaining about, by and large, are things that are completely optional. You do not have to go out and spend money on skins and other things in Tekken if you don't want to. These are things they put in there as options for people to buy. They are expensive. They maybe are the kinds of things you might get as, you know, regular unlockables or as, let's just say, bulk DLC in previous years. But that is not the marketplace in which we exist in anymore. And that is not how these companies make money. Whatever you think of how they make money, that is how they make money. I, I mean, that's this is a kind of the reason the, the I bring this up is um, the original poster had $4 per outfit in Tekken, $10 per outfit in Street Fighter. That was the image they had. And they're like, why? Um, well, I don't necessarily agree. I think it's rough too, but kind of like you said, Alex, I mean, it's what Phil Spencer just said explicitly during that thing was you either have to get more people to buy your game or you're going to have to charge, find other ways to monetize the people who are playing right. It right now. Like he literally laid it out on the table was like, those are the two options that it seems like for a developer or in this case, what he was saying for Xbox or Microsoft to grow. I don't know, man. The whole thing seems like at a, I'm not trying to be 
dire about it, but it definitely feels like an inflection point for where this industry is um, in terms of how to how to maintain growth and turn a profit outside of, let's say, mobile or places that are. Um, I you know I don't follow the mobile industry. Is it healthy? I, I don't know. Is it collapsing? Also, oh yeah, it's still huge. It's huge. Sure. Okay, healthy um, is such a specific loaded <laughs> word, but uh, there are games that are still making lots of money in mobile. Absolutely. I mean, this games industry is also growing. People are are, are putting are, are posting profits. You know, there's a lot of contraction happening in the workforce. But you know what I see is it's not like it's value is the value of the game industry isn't going down right it's it's if anything i think people are saying it's going up i think people are trying to figure out how much before they start cutting into the bone are they going to be able to do and maybe they are already and bleeding are they going to be able to do to maximize the growth on the on this industry and that's that's i don't know i i, I have no answers and we've been around for since the beginning of this basically I mean, as we said, we've never seen anything quite like what we, what the games industry is going through right now over the course of our careers. Like, there have been layoffs, there have been bubbles, but this is, like, a whole other thing. Yeah. I mean, it seems like we basically have gotten finally to the point where the economics of game development just don't make sense anymore as they currently exist. Like, they broke, straight up. Yeah, or... or um. Yeah, because, you know, like, look, we all went through, and people listening to this went through also the gold rush of DLC. Remember, EA was, like, just filthy with trying to stick as many stores and microtransactions and loot boxes and that. When Ubisoft went, like, just absolute nuts with, like, the various currencies and other things yes. in their various marketplaces, too. Like, yes, no, publishers have been finding ways experimenting new and exciting ways <laughs> to extract money from you the consumer I mean, for decades but I, like this this is this is I, different like this isn't just about like oh well they're finding you know they're they're nickel and diming people to death it's that no it's that they've been nickel and diming people to death and it's still not enough that's right yes right and you know publishers we went through the feels like it's waned now but the whole well if we can get our own platform direct to consumer outside of steam outside of uh xbox or playstation then we can pick up that extra percentage they're taking so everybody launched their own platform and mm -hmm. i feel like then that kind of went away and that didn't really quite work out um you know i'm sure epic still has a lawsuit or two floating around out there to to uh oh, yeah tim sweeney's always su suing someone so yeah I, I don't know the economics of this seem seem more in flux than maybe they ever have been before and, and hearing a lot of developers and people who make games have to figure out what the next step is for at the very least the triple a space where these big games that take years like you said brad you spend years of your life trying to make a game and millions of dollars on it and then have to get this return and everything is Everything is online now, right? So server yeah. costs and update costs and, and all of those things. Yeah. But, I mean, but so here's like the real thing though, right? Is that the problem with video games, and this is, I mean, this is somewhat true of basically all entertainment mediums, but it is specific in this way to video games, is that video games cannot go backwards. Like once you have reached a certain level with what, let's say, AAA games are specifically, you know, in terms of like, what do these productions look like? What do the features have? Like, what how, what are you pouring into these things? At no point that I can think of in video game history did they ever reach a wall and say, we have to work backward 
in terms of the resources and in terms of what kind of product we are delivering, because that has just never been an option. But now we are in the situation where literally the economics, the amount of resources, the amount of manpower, all the things you have to put in to make one of these big ass triple A whatever kind of games. It's just not working anymore. And if you are telling the player base, which is bigger than it's ever been to that, we have to we have to pump the brakes on this. We have to start making smaller games. We have to not throw as much development resources into it. I don't know how you message that to an audience that has been used to nothing but growth and advancement for the entirety of this industry's lifespan. Yeah, at, at a price point that has barely evolved in 30 years, right? Right. Um, yeah, I, I think about exactly what you just said quite a bit. You know, like, are games going to get shorter with less content or are they going to start looking way not, I started to say way worse, which is not what I mean, but you know what I mean? Less, less good. Mm-hmm. Like, or are less, they going to... Probably less, like less polished, gaudy. right? Or yeah, are they gonna like are they gonna lower detail levels and like stop making everything look like CG? You know, like stuff right. like Spider Man or like Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Like those are incredible looking games that look better than CG did, like movies did twenty years ago. But obviously, that's super expensive. Are they just going to stop making games that look that good? Are they gonna all start being six hours again? Yeah, like there's absolutely a big chunk of the audience out there that does not give a shit about the economics that underpin all this stuff and will say so very loudly, mm-hmm. you know, it's, that it's just like, Hey, that's not our problem. Like sell a better game. So like, there's just like, I feel like the two sides are just kind of butting heads here. Cause it's, cause when you say six hours, let's say you even say 12 hours, it's still 12 hours for a $70 game, right? Like it's, that's, that's the matchup here. It's not 12 hours and the game sells for $30. It's 12 hours and the game is a $70 full retail release. Um, I think also, you know, technology gets a little cheaper some pl- in some places, but the asset generation for those huge games, that's manpower. That's cost. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's people having to make, if you have a 75, we were just talking about Final Fantasy and Rebirth and how big some of those places are. Look, and every nook and cranny of that place has to be, if you unless you want it Mass Effect Planet style, cookie cutter bases on it. You know, somebody's got to go in and, and and handle that. I mean, and again, technology helps in some ways, and maybe that'll offset some things. But it's a lot. It's a lot. I, I don't know. I I think what we're running into now is the situation where they are having to ask themselves these questions, and no one has the answers yet. Like that is where we are right now. Is that literally we are still in the cutting phase and figuring yeah. out like how lean can we run for the next couple of years. But I have yet to see anyone, analyst, executive, anyone, come out and say, this is the path forward. Because I don't think anyone knows yet. And, that, you know, maybe the $20 season pass, $40 season pass, maybe when you have $10 outfits in a season pass, maybe those economics don't also don't work out where, you know, maybe it's, they really want to. Maybe those season passes become real seasons. Maybe <laughs> these games do not come out as often. And what you are talking about is bigger content updates that mm. cost thirty or forty dollars and are in fact like, hey, this is the next year of this game, which is not going away because we can't produce these at the rate that we used to. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I economies of scale, I'm sure for something like Final Fantasy Rebirth, they will sell so many copies. 
they will probably be fine for the scale of that game. I am just guessing here. But it is Square Enix, and let's remember, Uh no Square Enix game ever makes as much money as they think it should. (laughs) That is is true, but Final Fantasy is going to do fine. It'll do just fine. The bigger thing there, though, is that the list of games that can do as well as something like Final Fantasy VII Rebirth is getting shorter and shorter. Yeah. And, and it gets riskier and riskier to try to join that risk or that list if you're not already on it. Yeah, and you know, I, I, I didn't. I speaking out of my butt here for most of this podcast, but here especially, I is the PlayStation Five base caught up yet to where they kind of want it to be for uh, buy through for something that is an exclusive to PS Five? Are there enough PS Fives out there for developers to be like, we can exclusively do a PS Five game and make our money back? No, I mean, that's that's exactly what there is basically coming to light, that that is not the case anymore. Okay. Uh, I mean, that, that, was the, that was the basis of those earnings, the sales targets that were revised downwards the last couple of weeks, was that A, they missed the target they set for themselves, B, PS5 is tracking behind PS4 Okay. at, at this point in the life cycle, but also even if it was at PS4 level, what they seem to be saying is that even that's not enough anymore. Right, because you need more people to buy it. To right. make up for the cost of the development, um, that's a rough. That's a really rough place to be in, um, yeah. Because you yeah. you want software to move consoles, but you need consoles for developers to take big swings on their on the you know non first party. Sony will dump money in there. Well, everybody's having a tough time anyway. Yeah, it's it's it was really funny over the weekend. I've been on a little bit of a retro Usenet kick, like looking at old Usenet archives, and I was reading some alt games Final Fantasy posts from nineteen ninety four. Uh-huh. For obvious reasons, but there was somebody on there who had just bought Final Fantasy three for seventy dollars on the Super Nintendo in nineteen ninety four. Yeah. That game was made by like six people in a year. And sold for the same price that games that are now made by hundreds, if not thousands, of people uh over the course of multiple years, you know, is selling. I paid like seventy pretty, bucks for my Street Fighter copy on right, Super Nintendo. Like pretty Pretty like stark. WWF games was like eighty bucks or something new. Like yeah. it just it was wild. When you put it in those terms, you can kind of see. I mean, like I feel like I need to say out loud. Like there's always this question that I assume is understood in these discussions, but maybe it needs to be stated explicitly. There is there's the problem of these games aren't making enough money to sustain these development practices, and then there's the problem of they're not making enough money to pay the shareholders bigger dividends. You know, mm, like right. which one is it? Is always uh, an open question. But it seems like it is more of the former than it used to be because because the number of people required and the costs have gone up so so rapidly. I, you know, there's also like, look, when Final Fantasy IV came out, the th- you know, three of us bought it for, <laughs> for 70 bucks and we loved it. Or at least, Brad, you and I loved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but now you have that, that market has grown, ballooned, exploded, right? So there are many more people buying games now than there were back then. For that seventy dollars, and it, those economies of scale, I'm sure, uh, offset to some extent the development of the amount of people that are, are working on stuff. But yeah, I yeah, I don't know it's, to an extent. Uh, yeah, but like remember when Spider Man Two came out and it sold like six or seven million, and Sony said it still hadn't broken even at that yeah, point. No, I'm, I'm not trying to say that things are healthy or in a good spot. Um, not hardly, but, but not exactly apples to apples on that front. But clearly, something's not working out. Uh, and I, I don't think it is just, I mean, maybe it is, but I don't think it is just pressure from the top. Something is, something's amiss with development, something, something's rotten in there, uh, where I, 
developers don't want to piss off their fans. You know, they, they want, I'm, I'm sure if they didn't have to do a lot of this stuff, a lot of those pressures might come in sideways from a publisher, from a top down to, to put that stuff in. But my understanding is from meeting a, many a developer is, you know, they want to make good games and they want, they would they like want, you to be happy if they, at all possible. They kind of want you to be happy. We'll see. You know what made me happy? And I don't know if this should make me happy. Somebody's probably not happy here. But uh, Remedy, Alan Wake 2 apparently did just okay, just fine, or if not better than just fine uh, in its sales. And Remedy has bought all of the control rights back from 505 Games. Mm-hmm. Remedy they now, now right. they, they own it. Yeah. As they are working on, what is it, two new uh, control products, I think? Like they're doing that multiplayer. Condor? I think that was what the multiplayer project was called. And I think there's right? a full-on sequel, yeah. too, right? Yeah, yeah, there's a full Control 2 coming and, and that multiplayer thing. So I the, will uh, say, the, the little bit of messaging I saw around this, they were not, this is not a contentious thing. It seems like they had no real major beef with 505. Mm-hmm. Either 505 was looking to fire sale some stuff, or they just had a good deal in front of them and said, fuck it, sure. But it's not a, hey, we are trying to extricate ourselves from any relationship with 505, it seems like. Sounds like 505, and that's digital bros uh-huh. <laughs> who owns 505 uh according to this games industry biz story says uh they're shifting its strategy to focus on fewer titles and ip that it owns with quote long-term value creation and quote uh the cost of the deal was 17 million euro i, th- I assume that's euro which uh that is the amount that 505 games had invested in the development of condor and control 2 so um, you know, it sounds like, yeah, they just kind of squared up and mm-hmm. said, uh, look, if you're, if you're selling, we're buying, maybe they had a little extra money from Alan Wake. And now, um, con- uh, remedy says having complete ownership over the control franchise gives us the freedom to decide the best path, best path forward. We will consider our options carefully, knowing that control is considered an attractive franchise by many partners. Previously, they say they're not sure if they want to self publish or not. They might find another mm-hmm. publishing deal. Uh, Condor and Control 2 have both progressed well in recent months, and we expect these projects to reach their next development stages during the first half of 2024. The development of Condor and Control 2 will continue normally when we consider the best publishing, distribution, and financing model for these projects. So, there you go. That's something. Good for them. Good for them. Good for them. That's good. They also say here they amicably amicably parted ways, but listen. It sounds yeah. like it, but yeah. I don't believe a word of it. Yeah, like there there was some uncertainty floating around about how well Alan Wake did after it came out, but that's always yeah. based on like a very spotty, you know, there's never enough data to really conclusively figure out publicly whether it did okay or not, but to hear them say they're happy with how it did is is encouraging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and to have ownership of their, of their stuff, I think that's great. Um, yeah. If they can do it. Uh, that's great. Uh, you know what else is great? The Helldivers servers seem to be up and running and meeting the demand for Helldivers 2. They had They're a, not completely busted. <laughs> so I um, I can only report on what uh, is written here, but it sounds like this weekend, according to the reporting, I did not play during prime time. I did last weekend, and it was a nightmare. This weekend, according to the reports, seemed to have been much better with capacity kind of nearing out about 800,000 players 
on their servers. Damn. Uh, anecdotally, I did look through some of the comments to see if people are like, that ain't right. Uh, and some people were like, no, I was in a queue or I crashed out. And so I, I don't think it's perfect quite yet, but seems much better. Yeah, that's awesome. I, the only time I've played it was the stream we did on Friday for the last week, but that was fine. Although it seemed like there was still a lot of stuff disabled in the like persistent mm. war, you know, like you can't see how many people are playing and like what the. A lot of the global stats are. It seemed like some of the orders have been broken, like the daily challenge type stuff. Okay. People, people said have not been coming down consistently. So I wonder if I wonder if that stuff is going to start getting flipped back on as things stabilize. Maybe that's funny because I I completed one I think on Friday and was I the, I played over the weekend it? and oh, sorry, yeah sorry man. oh well I didn't get a new one yeah that that's exactly it was it the was it the sixty kills with the sniper rifle yeah. that you did yeah, yeah that was yeah. the last last I checked that was the last one that anybody had gotten. Yeah, because I played with like the kids have, during the day, and I didn't get a new one. Yeah, those those have stopped rolling out, which is those are a huge source of metals, which lets you unlock new weapons. I, totally. Uh, yeah. So hopefully, hopefully, stuff like that is coming back as things get better. But yeah, it sounds like they they hit their because um, they had been increasing it and just hitting the cap over and over again. So I guess eight hundred thousand was their was their number, um, mm-hmm. and it sounds like that thing has pinned itself in the top five on Steam. Um, which is kind of amazing for perspective that's ahead of uh, Apex Legends. Uh, so that's pretty big deal for them. I still get the sense that they are a fairly small team. I think they themselves said 90 people. Something they have like been that. waving 100. their hands as much as possible to say, like, look, we're doing our best here <laughs> yeah. with what we got. 100 or something like that. I think I saw the CEO saying, like, the roadmap, the new the new roadmap in light of the success is is quite different from their original plans for post-release support. Yeah. So. Which is awesome. Like I'd fucking put more, put as much content, put as much new stuff in that game as humanly possible. I wonder how much of this will be looked at for um, the CEO getting out there and trying trying their best to be very transparent and humanizing this process. How much they are looked at as kind of the a studio that made good on a on a cool game, and how much the game just rocks. You know, like. Uh, you know, for other, cause everybody has issues, some, some form of issues rolling out live service games and, and big games online like this. Now, this one seems to have had a lot of ire and understandably so, but with this sentiment, I have seen a lot of, I really hope you fix it. Cause this game is awesome. You know, yeah. instead of like F this People game, want to play it. Yeah. People just want to play it. They want to get out there and go stop those robots. Uh, just want to do their part. So Hopefully that all works out for them. And uh, a lot of people just learned a lot about launching a huge game in a very short amount of time. Um, I bet if you have Helldivers 2 on your resume, first of all, I hope you're getting some rest and some sleep. Second of all, it seems like you're probably pretty well experienced at this point with what needs to happen when you... That's the person I would want to hire if I were rolling out a, a live game to be like, what am I not thinking of? Oh, Here's the list of what you're not thinking of. So good on them. Uh, and I think that's kind of it for the news. Oh, you know what? This story's kind of breaking. The details of it, uh, I don't think we're the place to go for it. But Nintendo has a lawsuit. Oh, another one. Oh, another one. I'm sorry. I'm bringing up the story now. Yeah. yeah. Nintendo suing the makers of Yuzu, which is one of the Switch emulators. Yes. That are out there. So I, I had not heard of Yuzu. What's the other one you mentioned? 
Uh, Ryu Jinx is the other one. Ryu Jinx. I had not heard of these, but Yuzu sounds like it is from reading the story. And again, just going to kind of briefly go over this because um, uh, the legal details, and this is happening now. I'm not sh- exactly sure what's true and what's not here, but it sounds like it's made by the same folks who made Citra, which I do know of. Uh, yeah, what from, was Citra? Was that a I think that's Wii U? Is that Wii NDS or is that just... I can't uh, remember. I, I've, just, I've, I've just have, have not kept up much with Nintendo emulation. Uh, so it sounds like as part of the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, or all of our favorite piece of legislation, there is a circumvention clause in it. And it sounds to me like Nintendo is claiming that Yuzu, in order to play these games, is breaking their encryption to illegally breaking their encryption to circumvent their encryption. And that is the illegal part of this, whether it's in, in, this is the part that gets into the weeds for me in terms of emulation, whether it's included in the package or users have to separately go out to find keys. I don't know. Yeah. that Yeah. I, I've, I've been so head down. I haven't been able to read about this much, but I, that's my guess. Or my question is why, you know, why did they sue Yuzu and not Ryujinx? And I mm. think I want to say Ryujinx makes you dump your own, keys from your own switch okay to make it work if i'm not mistaken but i could be wrong about that yeah uh, the the two articles they, 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 i read on it didn't specifically mention that point yeah they're, they're going after one and not the other and there must be a reason for that uh, but uh, they also cite in that complaint that they actually throw out a number that over a million people downloaded and played tears of the kingdom before it came out yeah and that's part of their it's part of their complaint here Early too, right? Because yeah, be- before release, it leaked. Yeah. yeah, got out there early. Yeah. Where uh, where they got those numbers? Who can say? Did they just go to a torrent site and look at the download figure? Who knows? I don't know. They also kind of Nintendo uh, claims, you know, uh, Yuzu is making money on their Patreon. Uh, they're making money in paid, even though it's free. Apparently, again, I'm not I'm not familiar with it, but it's you can get a paid version, fifty thousand dollars in paid downloads, thirty thousand per month on their patreon which i assume they are estimating unless they have their numbers up there uh yeah i don't know i don't know but now that you mentioned it they have been extra aggressive about going after people that are very clearly making money off of uh anything that lets you circumvent their stuff so i don't know exactly this is kind of just developing now as the time of this recording or these these papers were filed not too long ago uh, so waiting for some, some more in detail analysis that is from people who are way more into this stuff than uh, we can report on. Yeah, I, I I hope it's the case that they're doing this because Yuzu is somehow flouting like the letter of the law and not that this is some broad thing that's going to set some yes. awful precedent for all emulators, but we will see. Oftentimes, like stuff on the Mr. and things that, and I'm not going to get into Mr. emulation versus FPGA, but they will give you the code for the emulator and then you need to go separately and they make it very explicit. You need to go do whatever you need to do to get your own BIOS or your own um, stuff to put into the emulator to make it recognize as a, you know, like a a PlayStation or Amiga, whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, That's basically, yeah, that's basically been the case for anything. Anything that's not a cartridge based system is going to need some kind of copyrighted BIOS that you have to go source yourself. Right. Uh, and so that, the, again, I'm not exactly sure there, but, uh, there was this part in this polygon story that I would like to read that says, um, you know, they kind of go over what Nintendo, Nintendo is aggressive when it comes to com- cracking down on, uh, ROMs and, and emulation. And, uh, do you remember Gary Bowser? 
Oh yeah, yeah, that's who mm-hmm. I was thinking of when I said they they really go after people who are clearly like running a business by cracking their stuff. Like he, he's the he's the poster child of that. Do you want to hear this update on Gary Bowser? Sure. Gary Bowser, who was arrested and charged for selling Switch hacks, um, has been released from prison and still owes Nintendo ten million dollars. He paid Nintendo one hundred and seventy five dollars while in prison for money he earned working in the prison library and kitchen. Great. Yeah, that was when that judgment came down. A lot of people were just like, okay, you have ruined this guy's life for life. Like, for life. You mm-hmm. are going to be garnishing his wages until he dies. Like, was it really worth this? Uh, switch hacks. Yeah. Uh, I Nintendo. Would say no, personally, but hey, I'm not Nintendo. <laughs> so, what? Uh, just at, to the, at, the same time, at the same time, from like a purely pragmatic standpoint, like, how the fuck did you think you were going to get away with this? I don't know. Like putting stuff out for free is one thing, but when you were straight up running a business, I don't know what was was Gary, was Gary Bowser selling software or hardware. I, I don't remember what form that stuff took exactly. Okay. Um. Anyway, Nintendo, Nintendo's got lawyers again. If anybody That's ever sure. thinks they need to uh, defend Nintendo's honor by uh, saying this is anything right, no, Nintendo already is on the case and will is not afraid to lawyer up. When Nintendo thinks it's right. Yep. Looking at you, pal world. <laughs> Looking at you. We've dodged a bullet this time. Uh, Gary Bowser, though, huh? Is that a... Gary Bowser. No relation to Doug Bowser, as far as we know. Or freaking Bowser. But, How is but this actually, all happening? That would be the most incredible twist if it turned out that <laughs> Doug Bowser and Gary Bowser were actually related somehow. It, but they're both named Bowser. How well, is this well, happening? Let's see. Um, I mean, it's not an uncommon last name. Truth it, stranger than fiction. Do you know any other Bowsers that are not Gary Bowser or Doug Bowser? I can't say that I do. Thank I you. I don't. <laughs> Thank you. I I rest my case. All right. And uh, that's going to rest the case for the news. Unless you guys have oh, anything else to chat about? We, we have to mention this PSVR 2 on PC thing. Oh, my gosh. How did we forget uh, about that? Which I'll just read the quote right now. It was on a PlayStation blog post about PSVR 2 games. Also, we're pleased to share that we are currently testing the ability for PSVR 2 players to access additional games on PC. That's to right. Offer even even more game variety in addition to the PSVR 2 titles available through PS5. We hope to make this support available in 2024. I I am um, never allow uh, yourself to be hopeful. No. Or happy. No. Never. Based on based on yeah, I I am tempering my expectations. Brad, let me remind you of a little quote, like. little quote from um, from a guy named Phil Spencer. It's, it's, I'm going to paraphrase here. He said, either you you got to charge the people, you got more, or you got to get new people to play the game, to play the stuff you got. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not like. I think they so want to get their stuff out there. Right. But like, is this going to be you can just plug your PSVR 2 into a PC and play Half-Life Alex on it with oh, full please. Steam VR support? I, I am. I would bet money it will not. Oh, don't say that. Like, I mean, uh, A, you can't just plug that thing into any old USB-C port and have it work on a PC. Like, it needs a specific kind of port and hook up to the GPU. Give me some weird dongle. I don't care if it's uh, got plug into a two ports or it needs, you know. So that's what that, that ivory guy. cable or something. That that ivory guy, I-V-R-Y is how he spells his yeah. username, who is working on legitimate PC support for that thing, is having to build a dongle to make it work. There's like, would, there's like, there's like a very select range of AMD cards that no longer exists that came with the right kind of USB-C port on them that you could just plug it right into. Yeah. But if you don't have one of those cards, you need 
you need a relatively expensive adapter to, to make it work. I would uh, pay 25 to $50 for a breakout box. So that, this was, this was more like $200. I want to say Okay, that's maybe that's too much. It, it's like very special. At that point I'm buying stuff. like a quest or something right. like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You start, you definitely start getting into, as soon as you have to buy more hardware, you're like, yeah. should I just actually buy another headset instead? Yeah. Um, but I get me this thing on the PC. If this thing is on the PC and I could just plug it into steam where uh, those VR games have been taunting me, I'm pretty excited. Yeah, that that guy thinks this is a streamed solution where maybe like the games would stream from your PC through your PS5 to the headset, which like apparently the equivalent feature on on uh, Quest headsets works just fine. People yeah. speak pretty highly of it. Okay, so maybe it's actually like if you just have to go like start the game in one room and then go in the other room, put the headset on and play it. Like maybe that's not the end of the world if that's how it works. Are we going to be back to like putting my? Do you remember when you had to put your? Uh, your steam and your playstation code remember they had that login on steam for your uh, playstation id as well for ages oh, yeah, until yeah. They yeah portal, took it out. portal 2 portal yeah, 2 you signed into steam on your ps3 yeah so are we gonna get back into that are we gonna are we gonna go that way uh, maybe i don't up? know like the worst version of this is it streams through a ps5 and sony limits it to a very <sighs> small number of games that they control please don't do that which i'm i'm just going to assume that's what's gonna happen and then oh, hopefully i will be Pleasantly surprised. Yeah, always assume the worst. Uh, you know what? Uh, I'm going to take it a step worse, further, further, worse, worse, further. What if it's Worcester? Worcester? What it's if it, the is this the Worcester's original? We're going to Worcester, kid. I'm going to go to Worcester Town. What if it's just Sony games that they want to put on PC? Yeah, that's they, that. That's what I meant. Yeah, um, that'd be boo in my worst. I don't know. <laughs> Is it, are you really expanding the install base if you're just selling to people who have to already have a PS5 to, do, to use this? Not really. If the goal is to move more headsets and get more people buying VR games, yeah. if, you already, if you already need the console, that's not yeah. much. That doesn't seem to benefit them that much. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows how this will work? Well, Alex, you don't have one, right? No. Would it make it more appealing to you if even if you had to stream it from your PS5, you could play a bunch of PC VR things on the headset? By like... Margins. A tiny nudge. Okay. Upward. But if you could just plug yes. it into the PC, are you way more into it? I mean, I guess. I mean, yes, that would help a little bit, but I nothing about this. Like, the bigger problem for me is that there just isn't that much on PSVR 2 that I'm, like, yeah. excited to play. Like, that's, that's what, the bigger problem. That's what I was going to say. If you don't have a headset already, you're probably better off getting one of the good PC ones because there's way more on PC and there's basically yeah. nothing on PS5. Well, and the even bigger you, issue on top of that is that I just don't want to play VR stuff right now. Well, that's, that's that is also yeah, an issue. Yeah, that, that that would do Which, it. Like I kind of get it, you know. It's going to do it, uh, and yeah. that's going to do it for the news mm. for this week. Uh, we have an email address here. It is podcast at nextlander dot com. Podcast at nextlander dot com. Podcast at nextlander dot com. Brad Shoemaker, you got an email there? Yeah, let's read like two quick ones here. There's right. one from. Someone in game development who asked to be anonymous. Okay. Uh, Your discussion about the power of enthusiastic patron comments reminded me that the same is very much true for game developers. I was part of the narrative team on Guardians of the Galaxy, and it meant the world to me hearing Vinny and Alex talk about them enjoying the game, especially when it was clear that the game wasn't going to be very commercially successful. The thousands of comments on our 94% Steam reviews uh, was the thing that kept a lot of us going, and I still go back and flip through them whenever I need a pick-me-up. Aww. Uh, 
Just a little reminder that when you love a game and take the time to post a review, you never know when your words are making the day of someone who helped create the thing you love. That's sweet. That game was nice great. to hear. Yes. I, I wish that game had sold better. I know. What the heck happened? Like, why, why do good games not do well? <laughs> why do bad like a, things happen to good games? <laughs> it just feels like a cosmic injustice sometimes. Yeah, that's a very There's good There's no game. justice in it's the like, universe. We know that. Like, people... The word going around was that Prince of Persia The Lost Crown didn't sell a ton either, for example. Also a good game. You know, it's just like you see stuff like that and you're just like, God damn it, mass market. Can't, why can't you have better taste? Everybody's too busy playing Brawl Stars or something. Foam Stars. Foam I don't know if they are playing Foam Stars. I don't know if anyone's playing Foam Stars for that matter. Yeah, that's a I good point. Know. I have no idea. Um, But I do know my son asked about Brawl Stars and I said. Okay. Uh, Man, what is know, up with like, don't launch in February anymore? It feels like yeah. Is like, that the what is with, cursed? Like I don't know. Uh, Hell Divers is doing fine. Well, that was the rare exception. To be fair, yeah, but also now Hell Divers is the game you don't want to go up against. That's true. But like you know, like ever like Elden Ring came out in February. Yeah. Final Fantasy VII Rebirth is coming out in February. Like February is like a hot month these days. It feels oh, like. you're saying avoid February because it's the new November. Yes, if you're not if you're not a huge guaranteed success, seems like February is becoming increasingly fraught. Sure, sure. Did you see? Uh, this is going back to the news a little bit, but did you see that uh, Sega was like uh, the Sonic would have done better basically if the, if Mario Wonder hadn't come mm-hmm. out that month. Yep. Yep. I mean that might be true, but I don't know that it would have been that much better because that Sonic game was not very good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I you know actually in all seriousness, I guess like Q one is just the default time that your game that missed holiday is going to come out, right? I feel, mm-hmm. like, I feel like, like Capcom used to own it. Uh, they used to be there. Q1 was Capcom's uh, quarter. And now, yeah, you're right. Even when you get pushed out of Q4, you're, you're in it. Brady, you got another email? Uh, yes. Got one more here. John from Charlotte. I don't know which, maybe North Carolina. I'm really questioning what we are getting into mm-hmm. as I read this email. Uh-oh. The Mother and Phantom is the name of the, is the subject line. Okay. The Phantom is the best, dumbest movie. It's glorious, especially the horse airplane scene. Incredible cast with Billy Zane, Catherine Zeta-Jones, and James Remar. Mm-hmm. Long live the ghost who walks. <laughs> okay. Wow, we found the one Phantom <laughs> fan. We found him. Was everything that- everything about that email is making me go like, what the fuck is this movie going to be? Uh, that, it's real mention, stupid. That comes in from uh, uh, Zilly Bane. Uh, over uh-huh. in uh, Charlotte. The Zilly Bane. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Phantom's great. Everybody should watch it. It's the, best, it's the best movie. Yeah. I don't know. I'm looking forward to watching The Phantom. That's a good segue, Brad, uh, to say we got the Watchcast. We do. And over on the Watchcast, we got some movies we're watching. Now yeah, we, we do. So we watched Darkman and Dick Tracy, and that kind of kicked off our 90s hero exploits. Um, non Marvel edition. Non Marvel edition, uh, and so then we watched, uh, recorded at least the uh, Rocketeer, mm-hmm. uh, and then what's next, Alex? What's the what's the viewing order? Next one is the Crow. The Crow, yeah. And then we've also got on the docket here the Phantom, as uh-huh. we've mentioned, uh, Batman eighty nine, and the te- first live action Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Yes, the heroes on the half shell, uh, Turtle Power. <laughs> So we're going to be doing those over on the Watchcast. The next one up as of the time of this recording will be the Rocketeer coming up on the following Monday. Uh, and then, uh, like Alex said, uh, thereafter, thereafter, 
until we get to after turtles, which we've got our next is our turtles is our bridge movie into our next mm-hmm. uh, crop of movies. They're excited, excited to watch them. I haven't seen the crow in memory as a cohesive movie. I've seen parts of it. So, okay. Yeah. It's a very, now's like, your chance to finally yeah. understand. There's so much like crow imagery that it's hard to even remember what was in the movie and what is the wrestling sting. A whole lot of things have ripped off the crow and its whole vibe in the ensuing years. Yeah. So that'll be an interesting one. That'll also be over on the Patreon. Uh, we'll have a never been a better podcast going up next week. Uh, we've got the ramble cast. Uh, Planorama will be, I believe, this Friday, so you can check that out as we go through the rest of, what month are we going into? March. <laughs> March's mm-hmm. games. Uh, so you can check all of that out over at patreon.com slash nextlander, where you can find a tier that's right for you, starting at $5, but there is one tier there that gets their names read on this here podcast. Alex Navarro, would you mind reading our mysterious benefactors for this week. Indeed, I shall reveal our mysterious benefactors, who are Sean Miller, RRE, Infelicitous Rips, Kelly F., Brian Lucier, Skywarp, John Hubbard, Evan Cook, Mark Wilhelm, Jerry Lee, True Detective Deirdre Country, Gary Pejsky, Robert Fisher, Bunny Crimes and the Infinite Sadness, Peter Reardon, Chad Rita, Statics, Fantasticasm89, Andrew Jackson, Mega Crane, Raz Grizz Helldiver 2, Brian Murphy, Randy Duax, Andrew Teepkin, Alex Wu, It's Me JP, Matt Clements Jr., Edward Chick, Andrew Slosky, Steve Lynn, Matthew Herrig, David Campos, and Tyler Treese. Those are our mysterious benef- and yours, mysterious benefactors for mm-hmm. this week. Thanks to everybody who supported us over on patreon.com slash nextlander. Thanks for everybody for watching. We've had a lot of fun stuff going on over on the streaming side of things. Cyberpunk is trucking along. I am a cyber ninja. I can turn invisible. I've got swords. I've got sniper rifles. Slow down time. Everything is everything is happening. And Alex Navarro. We hit the DLC. We are we, uh, we are inside oh, wow. the Phantom Liberty now. Have, have you met Idris Elba yet? No. 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 We just got to the premise setup. Okay. Yeah, we got the title card uh, for the DLC. We are in it, though, uh, so you can join us over at the Cyberthon 2024 to see some Phantom Liberty. Uh, over on the streaming side, we are continuing our Thursday double show, double header Thursday uh, on Thursday I have a game that I want to try out called Heart of Darkness from the yeah. PlayStation era. Apparently, talking, it's an Eric Eric Chahi. Is that how you say his name? The, I, I uh, think so. Another, I out of this so. world guy. Yeah, I assume so. I I maybe knew at some point he made that game, but I did not. I had forgotten completely. That's crazy. That it's just like a long lost Eric Chahi, or not lost, but you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to try there. that out. By all accounts, that game is terrible or very hard, it's but. Great. It's like right in my wheelhouse. I looked at it. Uh, I tried it out. It seems yes. like uh, the game, a kind of game I would have loved to play at the time. Also, uh, also it has occasioned a lot of new Mr. Talk, which is always fun. <laughs> yes. Uh, Mr. Took a lot of updates. Uh, Brad, you're going to be streaming after that. Mm-hmm. Do you have any plans? Y'all heard of Zelda? 
Have you heard? I of have that? heard of the Legend, Legend of Zelda. Zelda. Uh, excuse me, it's a Zelda no Densetsu. Uh, no, I have not heard uh, of that. Um, I'm going to play some Breath of the Wild, actually. Yeah? Uh, basically, streaming Final Fantasy VII Remake was a great way to get back into that game. You know how uh-huh. hard it is to come back to games you haven't played in years? Mm-hmm. I do. I mean, Grant Breath of the Wild's been much less than a year, but still, you know, it's like, it's nice to just like hang out and chat and get a bunch of tips from people as I was playing about like, mm-hmm. hey, here's what to do with your materia and stuff. It was like a great way to get back into the game. Don't forget to turn in those seeds. They're uh, uh, Deku seeds or oh, Korok seeds. Korok seeds. Yeah. Yes. I mean, honestly, in this case, actually the big thing, the big logjam for me in that game is the number of side quests that I had picked up and never did. Yeah. I've got like 20 side quests in that thing and I, they don't, they're all fairly vague about where to go do them and whether sure. they're valuable or not. So I might just pull up that side quest list and have people tell me like, yeah, go do that one. Don't no, skip that. That one's bullshit. You know what's going to happen here, Brad? Here's my prediction. You're going to finish Breath of the Wild at some point mm-hmm. and you're going to play Tears of the Kingdom on whatever the next Switch is. If it was launching in September, like the rumors had at one point said, I would agree with you. In 2025. But now that they're saying like March next year, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, well, it's plenty of time. That's true. I, my, that's true. Yeah. my prediction is you I mean, play Tears of the Kingdom and you have to buy it again for 70 bucks God, uh, to, to get that up. To get that up. Nah, they'll give you an upgrade path. They better. You would hope. One, you one would, would hope. One would, would hope. But Nintendo sure has resold a lot of games across generations. What if they the sold a bundle of Breath of the Wild, Tears of the Kingdom for 70 bucks? If you have them both. So oh, have, you, double shot. Have, have you seen, have you seen this final fantasy seven? What are they called? Twin pack? I think they're calling I it. I did. Yeah. They straight bucks? up are doing that. It's crazy. Is it a hundred bucks? No, it's 70. Oh, it's 70. Oh, they okay. straight up. I, now I feel like I need to check myself again because that seems crazy. Like, like unbelievable in this day and age. It, it was, it's hard. Their freaking thing. The way they put out skews is, is nonsensical. It's like they're naming it's like when they name their Kingdom Hearts games because there was mm-hmm. intermission, then uh, it became part of intergrade, right? Yeah, inter- and then, intergrade you know. was the PS5 bundle with the DLC. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, okay. I just, I just triple, triple checked here. Straight up, seventy dollars gets you Rebirth and remake and intermission. I assume. Uh, I don't know if it comes. That'd be weird if they didn't include that. It doesn't say here. It may. But how is that possible? Which. Whether it has but, a mission or not, or just the price. Like, no, I'm the price, for the price of the single <clears throat> game, you it, get both games. It does include intermission as well. That's nuts. Wait, you straight up. You straight up can just get the entire original game effectively for free. And that's not if you own it already somewhere else. No, I've fully opened this in an incognito window <laughs> to make sure it's not <laughs> pulling from my library in any yeah. fashion whatsoever. That's bananas. Final Fantasy VII Remake and Rebirth Twin Pack, $69.99 on the PlayStation Store. That's a deal, man. Yeah, if that's, that's, if that's, that's for fucking, real. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a really good deal to, yeah, to get I'm, in there. I'm shocked that they're not at least trying to monetize the first game a little bit for newcomers. Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. Okay. Well, like I said, when we talked about those games... I feel like you'd have a really hard time getting into Rebirth if you didn't have Remake. There's jumping in is absolutely. They have that recap movie at the beginning. It's not super great. It's not super great. Um. All right. Uh. That's what we got going on. That's what we'll be doing on Thursday. Oh, and then there's going to be a poll up. Um. To go vote for our patrons' choice. Uh. Believe the options are all going to be related to us getting together and uh, uh, either shooting it out. Mining it out, wingsuiting it out, 
Wing suiting it out. I think the options are, uh, are we going back to Lethal Company, Helldivers, mm-hmm. or Entrouded? Uh, so you can go vote and, and see uh, what's going on there. Um, all of those things I would love to jump back into. Each and totally. every one of them. Yeah, I'll play any of those games. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm super curious what's under the... We ended that Entrouded thing just as we started getting underground. Mm-hmm. Un- underground. Um, so, yeah. I'm excited to do any of those things, but you can go vote on those over again at patreon.com slash next under. Lastly here, tickets are being bought. Travel is being booked. Alex, you and I are going to be at PAX East. We're officially pot committed at this point. Uh, so far, uh, uh, we've got some other folks lined up too, to come join us over for a panel. Never been a better beast cast. It's not an official next lander panel, but it's basically a beast cast reunion. Uh, pretty much. Or in that case, then it's pretty much never been a better podcast. Uh, but I'm excited to go there. I'm excited to see people at PAX. We are not doing any kind of meetup thing, uh, or, or, or get together officially. The meetup but is the panel. Come to the panel. We'll be there. Yeah. Meet me at the panel. Come talk to me. Come, uh, come hang out. Um, uh, we'll wrap. We'll talk. See how life is going. I haven't seen I haven't seen you guys in 17 years. Let's see how it's going. Don't judge me when you see me. It's been it's been a rough it's been couple 25 of years. years. <laughs> it's it's been a long road, as they say. So come join us. I think Saturday around three o'clock. It's three many, o'clock. Three o'clock. Uh, Condor is that? Uh, I think that's correct. I feel like we've been we in will Con- definitely Condor. tweet about this and promote this in yeah. the ensuing weeks. But uh, Saturday over uh, at PAX East. Um, and come see me. I'm going to probably hang out at the board game stuff. We're getting in on uh, Friday panels on Saturday. So I'm going to probably hang out over the board game stuff. Hopefully they still have the board game stuff. Come check me out over there. Play something fun. All right. I think that's going to do it for the show. We covered everything there. Thank you, Alex Navarro. Thank you. Thank you, Brad Shoemaker. Mm -hmm. And we'll be back next week.